right. What's up, everybody? It's, uh... Here's something. Yeah, we're putting out something. I'm here with Bobby Skullface and Mickey Brave. Mickey Apple. Brave, Mickey huh? Brave. Well, just, I don't know. You know, I guess everybody Brave. knows. But I mean, eventually, I'll just call you Mickey or Brave. But I don't... Well, it's funny. Mickey, uh, I would imagine that most people that listen to this would know us from other stuff. Yes, yeah, so, I would think so. <laughs> Mickey made me an admin of his YouTube page, uh, which so that I could post my reviews. But his YouTube oh, no, uh, on his Facebook on his Facebook group. Yeah. But like at the same time, like I I like to keep my like real life and then the toy life kind of separate. So like I can never ever post the review because it would then be me like my my uh, christian name posting the review you can't post from the Skullface page like to his page oh he would have to yeah no yeah because i made you know what? i didn't think about that because i made him literally him uh i mean to give him posting rights i didn't and i don't think i don't know if you can can you do that for a page though i don't think i don't know how yeah, that works. you can do it you can do it for a page you can make somebody else an admin of a page no, no, I mean, can I make, like, okay, so from that, that group, uh, from, from the group, can I make your Skullface page? Oh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that works like that. I don't know. Facebook trying to control everything. But, well but uh, we have a love of music, so we figured we'd take a shot at talking about music and see if anybody was into that, <laughs> I guess. Exactly. I hope you like music and you like hearing people talk about it, because... So we're going to try to like break down, I guess, uh, over the first couple episodes, like everybody's kind of history with music and Brave offered to go first. And we're hoping to keep these episodes <laughs> relatively short because our other shows are so long and time consuming. Um, but I offered to go first. I think that I was volunteered to go first. Well, because like, you know, because you're a black guy, it like legitimizes the whole thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Like just, 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 and I was like, it'll never work the two of us. And I was like, I know just the guy. Yeah. You, you bring, you make us credible. Yes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, my that, that little bit of street cred I got finally being put to good use. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so how are we, how are we doing this? Where are we starting at? Where, where are we, how are we going hey, into this? Same place, the same place you always start at the beginning. <laughs> uh, so in the beginning, there was a young man who had nothing to know about anything about music. So I uh, actually got turned on to uh, my, my first experience with any kind of music obviously came from my parents, right? I think with most of us, right? Mm-hmm. And like the whole class, oh, they please tell me it was like soul records being played on Saturday morning during house cleaning <laughs> because that's you know how what? I imagine the stereotype. But you know what? That kind of is. Well, for my dad, it was always like, and my dad, like, my mother always played, like, the gospel stuff. You know what I'm saying? Now, my dad, even though at that time he was, like, heavy in the Christian, Christian oh, stuff. They're, they're of the cloth, correct? And well, yeah, let's say uh, they're, they are of the cloth. Um, the father may have strayed from the cloth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, so, like, my mom, yeah, she always played all the gospel stuff. So I, I have, a, I have a, a serious memory of all, like, the older gospel songs. Like, this is one song she used to play. Um it was, I can't remember who the lady is. Or I can't remember who it was. And I, but I'm pretty sure anybody that's listening, if, once they get to listen to this shit, they'll 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 uh, know if they know anything about gospel. But it was this one line, and um, that these 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 this, this lady was a member of this church, and uh, but she was like uh, she was like 
deep soul, you know what I'm saying? Like speaking in tongues and all this kind of stuff. And the church was more like, you know, reserved and conservative. And so they were, they were having issues with her. This is the story of the song. They were having issues with her um, being in church and showing out and flipping out and speaking in tongues. So they decided to go down to her. And this is like old, like slave time talk, basically, right? As far as like countryside, old school countryside time. I guess is the way the song is framed. So the church heads go down to the lady and they're like, listen, um, we enjoy and have we enjoy having you in the church, blah, 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 blah. But um, we don't we don't really do all of that, you know, shouting and freaking out and speaking in tongues. And so the lady's like, well, God has done all of this stuff for me and you don't want me to shout in your church. So here comes the line. The line is. So if you don't want me and my to shout in your church, I'm going to shout right here. And then she says hold my mule and like so the lady who's singing it god i can't remember who was singing it she goes into this thing where she's like hold my mule hold my it sounds crazy me saying it but if you can hear the the actual old plat the actual song it's like it moves you you know what i'm saying and i think that was my well, first can i interject for just a second i i i, I, I i'm just trying to relate because i i hate all religious music in uh, general except for wu-tang's five percenter anti-white music <laughs> that was pretty great but the um the the like the, there's this Christmas song that we listen to in the house that's like uh, around right. Christmas time by Mariah Carey um and at the end it gets very gospelish and it, she just sings over and over Jesus Jesus and that and 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 we all we all like put our hands in the air and like uh, shake our hands back and forth when it comes uh, on and it it does give me a good feeling like a good like powerful feeling even though like you know it's it's you know the, the the belief structure is not necessarily for me but the uh the the it does evoke a feeling of it's not total mockery but it's 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 fun hey it, 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 it kind of touches you in the feels there a little bit right they, 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 they go for it and that's that's basically she's like she's hitting this line and she keeps and if y'all ever been to a Baptist church you know how it goes like the, the choir will be singing but there'll be this one line that's like the I guess the the, the feeling line that's the that's the line and they'll just they'll catch it and they'll keep on repeating it and the church goes crazy and people dancing around in circles <laughs> so for that song it was hold my mule because i'm going to shout right here meaning i'll shout for god i'll praise god anywhere you know what i'm saying and so um out of all the songs that i heard gospel songs from from uh, my mother's side that one has always stuck out to me and even as an mc in my early days of writing and later on I think I pulled from that that you could tell a story in songs. You know what I'm saying? You can capture people's feelings with song. And like my, my on my dad's side, he played like all the like you know the old Isley Brothers, the Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Maze, and all that stuff. You know. Hey, so real, um, real quick, just huh? for a point, just for a point of reference. <laughs> <laughs> So that, I don't know. That was my, I think, my first introduction to just music. Period. Um, but as, my, as far as my uh, the beginning of me actually caring about music for myself, um, I think. Well, let's fast forward to to, to the to the hip hop aspect of it because I was I was more into rock as a kid because you know coming up in Georgia at, at my at that at that young age you know MTV was all rock you know except for. Um, Except for Run DMC for the most part, you know what I'm saying. So my first insight and my first big uh, major artists that I like, they were all rock artists and stuff. You know what I'm saying, like the big hair bands and stuff like that. I was like a serious Billy Idol 
fucking uh, fan. I was a nut for Billy Idol. You know what I'm saying? But my uncle, he brought by, he's like, he's go to Florida and stuff. And he brought back a uh, tape. And on that tape was Jam Pony. And Jam Pony introduced me into a whole different other sound. You know what I'm saying? Which was like that whole bass club mix sound. But See, that's I, what, I, I, that, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. How, like, how old were you when all this stuff started happening? Young. Like, okay, so my, my, my rock days and my funk days, because, you know, Parliament was a part of it too. So my rock and funk craze days, I was like in the second grade. But um, as far as like the gospel music and stuff, my dad would play like the old the old school uh, R and B joints and stuff like that. Ah oh, man, I, too young to remember because uh, they were always playing that stuff. For, you know what I'm saying around me and stuff. But when Jam Pony came around, I think that I was in I was just leaving fifth grade, going into the sixth grade when I first got introduced to that by my uncle. And he would always bring by these like um, Jam Pony, all, all these like all these fucking like uh, deep bass mix. Mixtapes from these deep bass DJs and stuff from Florida. Was, right. Jam, so I, I Pony, was Jam Pony the name of the artist or the name of the mixtape? Ah, uh, you know what? Fuck if I know. But if you, <laughs> I just like Jam Pony. We we huh? never got anything like like the the bass music at least like so I'm from Maryland, born born and raised, and we never got any bass music until like Two Life Crew hit, and then that's when we became aware of that. Yeah, right, he brought yeah. me some two live. That was, I think that was, that was the progression for me, from the Jam Pony shit to uh, cause I, and I remember sneaking because he gave, he would give me these tapes and I would listen to him on the slide. My mama wasn't around, or my little. You guys remember the cassette Walkmans? You know, yeah. what I'm of course. <laughs> yeah, dude, I I rocked a cassette Walkman Walkman probably through college. Dude, me too, and only because, and I'll get into it when it's whenever it's my turn to go, but. Only because CDs would skip a lot, and I did. Of course, lot, I did a lot of walking. Like, dude, the Discman, the Discman is probably the worst creation ever. I still have in my closet like shoe boxes filled with tapes. Yeah. Remember yeah, when I they started it. making the Discmans? The Discmans, and the, and the more expensive would be because it it um it, it kept the sound, it kept the disc stable. It had you that anti-skip, so, that anti-skip. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> which is just a word printed on it. Yeah, well, mine had a little button like you could turn it on or off. Like, why would oh, of course. Why would you ever have that on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, let's have it skip a little. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, had a little skip to it. Music gets a little DJ cut to it. And then people had it wired up to their tape deck with that faux tape and all that shit. I was just like, oh, yeah. oh that tape shit was that shit was terrible. You have all this damn wire everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So that was like that your was, first real exposure to hip hop was this 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 bass music out of Miami. I, I would say that was my uh, I would say that was my introduction. The the thing that got me clicking and wanting it. My first um, God God, who was the first? I think the first. Oh, take that back. Um, what led to me even caring about my um or asking my uncle to bring me those those mixtapes, those jam points, all that kind of shit was my uncle took me my. Uncle Quentin, who's now uh, passed on, he took me to see um, uh, what was the fucking movie that, with um, the fat boy, the Run DMC joint. Ah, fucking brain fart right now. The um, one, crush, uh, crush, crush groove. Crush groove. Yeah. Crush groove. That's that's the joint where uh, where LL Cool J. Yeah, LL Cool J studio. was in all the all the Def Jam artists were in. Beastie Boys were in it. That scene, that pati- that specific scene. I remember he took me to the theater, and the only reason why he even took me to the theater is because wait, it might have been my dad, and if it was my dad, that changes the whole dynamic of the story. Because 
Um, I do wow, remember my so, dad. So you're not you're not sure if it was your dad or not. Well, let let me just let me just say this. Let me just say this. I'm just saying. No, no, so, no, that's not even the worst part. Here's, here's <laughs> out. Okay, so my dad and my mom were together at that time, okay? Uh-huh. All right, my my Uncle Quentin was my hero, like like drawing, everything I got from him, like I, everything I do now, I, I pretty much got from him. Like all of my hobbies and habits and stuff, with a uh, toy collecting aside. So um, I want to believe it was my Uncle Quentin because he would take me everywhere. And, and I've always thought of that story in... Um, it, it, that that he was trying to impress this chick who actually went to the movies with this. But now as I'm thinking about the movie and being in a theater, I think that was my dad, which brings about another question. Who was that chick in the theater? Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my mom. <laughs> Dude, Rolling Stone. <laughs> but uh, none of that was standing. So we're in a theater watching the movie. Yeah, it's cool. But when it was something about when LL Cool, because it was like, you know, auditions is over, auditions is over. And LL Cool J busts into the motherfucking studio. And he's like, yo, fuck that, man. I gotta, I gotta get mine. I gotta do mine. Y'all gotta hear this. And he turns and he hit he hits play on that tape deck, man, on that boom box. And he turns around and he's like, my radio. And when he said that, I remember standing up. I remember standing up in the theater and saying, I wanna do that. I wanna be that. And I was a young little dude. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. from there, it was like I had to, anything that had any kind of rap style beat anything i had to have it you know what i'm saying and so i think ello cool was my first favorite uh rapper and i saw right nice. every time i ever wrote i modeled after ello cool j you know i was like straight stealing songs you know? <laughs> so, but i'll be honest i didn't uh, what, what, what uh what year were you born i was born in 77 okay so you you got a little bit of time on me because like i i, I wasn't really i think i didn't really appreciate ll until f- my fifth grade year which was mama said knock you out yeah, that you was his comeback. Yeah, yeah which was his comeback record. I just, yeah, and, and I was just say I'm in line with Mick. Like I was born in '78, and so I just remember from um, <laughs> this is what and I think I had to be in like fifth grade at the time. But what always and I still quote this, but what always got me why I liked LL Cool J was just and I forget the name of the song just off the top of my head, but it was from the. Wasn't it Walk Like a Panther? Isn't that the name of the album? The first walk, album? Walk, walk with it, walking with a Panther. Yeah, so he's got this line, and I forget the song, but it says, you're the type of guy that gets suspicious. I'm the type I'm of the guy. Type that was just yeah, I'm the type of guy that says the pudding is delicious. It's delicious. Dude, I, that was it. From then, I was like, dude, that shit is hilarious, and I can't Well, that's, you know, that's that's the, it was, it was songs like that that made people yeah. back then hate him. Yeah. You know, like that's why Mama said knock you out, like kind of was was needed. But like it's funny because I'm I'm with you. When I started going back through his like older catalog, I was like I was like, This stuff is great. Like Walking with the Panther has a lot of good songs on it. Like going back to Cali is good and yep. uh that's good. There's a there's a number of good songs on there and I was just like I, I guess I guess it was just for the time it was just too quote unquote commercial, which is funny to think about it now with the music that comes out. You know, you know what's always, I always look back on uh, Kuja, and, and to, to this date, uh, he's not my favorite rapper anymore, obviously, but uh, I always thought that he was underrated lyrically and, and underrated as a battle rapper because he was a battle rapper from the beginning. Like, remember, you know, so I take a muscle belt man, put his face in the sand. Like, he was, oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Was, yeah, he was always like heavy lyrically, but even for that time, when you, when you think about the idea of I'm the type of guy and comparing, you know what I'm saying, and going back and forth like that. That, that to me that was kind of ahead of his time, but I think because of all of the uh, commercial joints he had to make with the I Need Love and all of that stuff, I think that's that shit kind of overshadowed 
his lyrical appeal. You know what I'm saying? Well, his whole battle that, appeal. That's where I look at it, too. It's like, think about hip-hop, and especially, like, so, and I'm just going to, my equation to hip-hop, obviously, is, like, you know, New York in the 80s. Um, but so think about that time, and think about, like, it's about being, like, you got to be the baddest on your street, and then here comes LL Cool J just talking about loving some ladies, which isn't bad, but, like, it's not hard. It's kind of yeah, soft. That definitely, you know I, mean? I mean, that definitely wasn't the only thing he was doing. Then. No, no, I agree, but... Like, I think that, like, uh, I think that, that uh, Radio was, like, it was one of those records where it was, like, okay, this is the obvious ploy for the commercial success. Like, yeah. you know, I Need Love. But the other the other stuff on there was, like, you know what I mean, was what most people that were listening to the music wanted. Yeah, right. yeah. I, 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 for me, it was that when I heard Booming System, which was the first song of Mama's Yeah, that was a joint too, yeah. When I heard him say, like, sunroof over so I can feel the wind blow, I don't give a damn if it cracks the back window. Like, yeah. <laughs> I still think about that line, like, when I'm driving around with, like, the, just the sunroof open, or, like, you know what I mean, like, the, the windows down. Like, I still think about that line. Because I remember being, yeah. like, a kid, being like, dude, when I drive, that's how it's going to be. I feel like they, I feel like he really was underrated. If you go back and, like, and we got to do a show just analyzing lyrics and, and MCs, I think. But when you go back and look at some of the stuff he was saying, he was back then, even back then, he was saying some shit. Like, I think a lot of people attribute, like, that first, that first, not not saying speci- only only uh, Rakim, but I think a lot of people attribute that first, like, burst, that first wave of getting deep and writing some, like, poetic, lyrical stuff to Rakim. But when you go back and I listen to like LL and he was in that, like even on even on the I Need Love drum, he's like, when I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall and in the back of the, my mind, I hear my conscience call. That's a serious line. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, I think that he has some serious lyrics, but he just got overshadowed because Cass looked at him like, oh, he writing some love songs. He ain't doing that. I don't know. What 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 rock were you into? So if you were LL, if you were rock, and then you got into LL, what rock were you listening to? Was it like Def Leppard? Like what I'm trying to think. Uh, of? Yeah, yeah. I, I used to love, I used to love ZZ Top. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, like dude. I, when it comes to music, I'm all over the fucking place. You got all that like, southern rock. All that southern rock. <laughs> yeah, that's what he, that's that's what I'm, that's what I keep forgetting. Like when he used to keep saying shit like ZZ Top and fucking uh, like bass music, I'm like, man, that's country ass shit. Yeah, I'm in the fucking like, yeah. <laughs> like, I think we should maybe say, say this for everybody. You got you guys already said where you guys are from, right? And I'm from Atlanta, so yeah, we got some uh, we got some reaching these different uh, states and stuff. But yeah, I mean, so I, I was kind of I was kind of all over the place. But my first the the first like rock groups I love was like ZZ Top, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. To this day, I still love Pink Floyd. It, it's a lot of cats. Yeah, Pink um, Floyd is Pink Floyd is a different. That's a whole different caliber though than ZZ Top. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, fucking, and not, and not everything was specific. Like I love David Bowie. You know what I'm oh, saying? Dude, don't get me yeah. started. <laughs> yeah, fucking U2. I was because that was that was my first. Um, what, what was the guy's name? I'm jumping around a lot, but what was the guy? He had the big hair. I can't remember his name, but he was funny because he was known like he would like bend over and put his ass in the camera. You know what I'm saying? He wore like yeah, the, carrot, all carrot, of them carrot, wore the spandex. Carrot top. Huh? Carrot top. No, no, not carrot top. <laughs> But like, there's a ton, there's a ton of people though that would do that, especially in the eighties. So, I mean, you're looking at David Lee Roth would do shit like that. Who is the dude that? Bruce no, but it is David Lee Roth. It is David Lee Roth. Doesn't yeah, okay. matter. I used to, I, whenever his videos would come on, I would get like a towel and put it on my head. You yeah. know, <laughs> and I'd get the broom and be in front of this TV. We had this old wooden floor mile TV, and I'd be in front of that shit, and I'd be rocking out with him. <laughs> so like, now I have to ask, you've gone from this like early 
gospel, Christian-esque music to like a rock to like bass to LL Cool J. And I haven't heard any mention of pop music or Michael specifically for that time. Uh, well, you know, being black, Michael Jackson, that was like automatic. Like, you don't even have to ask that question. It's, like, <laughs> it's not true. Like, who's your favorite Who's your favorite musician? Who do you love? I mean, it's like when you're talking about Michael Jackson to black women, especially during that time, like Michael Jackson is like, I don't know, it's, it's like saying, you know, like, do you have to, you like, you typically wouldn't have to ask a person in the South if they love Jesus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was a long that line. Like, you just, Michael Jackson was just, that's just a, a given. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember fucking dressing up like Michael, and Fuck, I remember my mom yeah. had got. The uh, fucking leather jacket and the leather pants for beat it. Oh my yeah. god! And when I, I first would, heard, I would to this day, I, I would rock. I would think I would rock some sparkly socks, like just for like the nuance. <laughs> just like you know, you would never see them because my pants would cover them. But like, if I if I needed it for a joke, I could just like pull my pants up real quick and show the sparkly <laughs> socks for like a punchline. Right? <laughs> yeah, Mike, Michael was a given. I used to love um, Madonna, um, um, Boy George. Uh, <laughs> all of this shit. Okay. You, um, all right. Do you guys ever see that? Not to, just been talking about Michael. Do you guys ever see that movie Moonwalker? Of course. Yeah, Return to the giant robot. Yeah, that was <laughs> ever, dude. Like <laughs> yep, he was big. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, Go in there, everyone. Watch. I'll get a. Uh, we'll make lunch in a, in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep. I'm not editing uh, that out. <laughs> don't. don't. <laughs> but yeah, I um, real quick side note about Michael, like what I think is is brilliant about Michael. Well, a number of things, but like uh, that Billy Jean performance at Motown's 25th or whatever. Yeah. Like that was like the first time you saw him. Like even though it was like extravagant in its own way, it was like way regular compared to what he was wearing before that with like off the wall and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that transition happened from like the like the the like the complete glitterized onesies to like the shirt, pants, and jacket. I don't know how that transition happened, but in my mind, they came to him with like a new onesie for Billie Jean backstage for Motown, mm-hmm. and and he and he just looked at him and said, "No, I'm gonna go ahead and wear this." And and had the other <laughs> outfit set up to the side. I'm gonna go ahead and flip this. Right <laughs> That's how I imagined it in my head, uh, and I like I refused to accept any other alternative. They said he was like they said he was real serious about his image, like you know. What I mean? you know like, it's like, obvious. Oh, and That's I think obvious. He, I mean, look at the Jackson Five, and if you've ever seen those Jackson Five stories, you know their dad was like strict as hell. Like that dude would have had to have that shit on lockdown even even before the performance, I think it's probably just ingrained in him. Like, look, you better have it down from A to Z. And you That's the, the beauty of, like, that, that child abuse, for lack of a better term, is that, like, yeah. By, yeah. The time he, by the time he became completely independent, he 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 knew all aspects of the of the game, so to speak. Like, he knew the performance element. He knew the music element. He knew the, the importance of melody. He knew the importance of chorus. He knew how to market. He, like, he, he, he had it all in order to make, like, this machine, which we've still, in my opinion, never seen duplicated, like, before or after. Like a, yeah, a not, not in the way that Mike controlled that, commanded that. Like, yeah. like, Elvis was huge, and, like, you know, I guess Bieber's huge and all that kind of shit, but you never see, like, like video footage of, like, Elvis or, like, uh, Bieber, like, walking to a room and just, like, the room fucking fainting. Right. Yeah. Like, like that's some Michael Jackson shit. And it kind of stopped. I think that, I think it stopped with Michael Jackson. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, well, after, like people, like even even men would be like, oh my god. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And it's, and the thing is, it's funny because even to this day, like my my kids are young. They didn't they didn't really know about Michael Jackson until they didn't really. Well, let me say this: they didn't really start paying attention to Michael Jackson until he passed, right? And everything with Michael Jackson there, right? But it's funny how we have artists that are out to this day who still and, and did idolize Michael Jackson. Like, you take a look at, like, Usher and all yeah. of those guys. Oh, you know, yeah, they, they idolize. I mean, even when you look, when you um, come to more current artists, like Trey Songs and all the cats, they want to emulate, they want to remake what Michael Jackson is and not just to bite it, but because that's who they idolize. And it's funny to say that this, this man from that time period that was so long ago, all the way up to now, still inspires these young artists to want to capture what he was. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's pretty dope. That's pretty Let dope. Let me ask you something about just about, just about that. I mean, because that to me is an interesting thing. Like, people, like, just to even just touch the tip of his jacket would just lose their mind, you know, if he was walking touch by. Like, I know. I, I thought he was going to say just <laughs> touch the tip of his dick. I'm like, whoa. No, no. That's a story. Because I don't have time for a Home Alone discussion. <laughs> but, I mean, do you think that – do you think that – I mean, because it happened with the Beatles and stuff too, but, like, do you think that Michael Jackson – got that way because he was so beloved even as part of the Jackson 5 and as a kid that he just like grew into this icon status or, I mean do you think it was well, I think there's a number of reasons I think it's the fact that that, that people followed him for you know his whole career but I also think it's the fact that like when when he went solo like when he when he did off the wall and that kind of shit and th- that was like one thing it was like oh look he's going solo and he's successful and like he like and Jerome has his his album and whatever like you know what I mean like right. it, it was like okay good but then like when fucking thriller came out like he just started building this mystique around him man that's like yeah. it's it's fucking it's it's unparalleled and i i don't even know if that sort of a mystique can be built around an artist anymore with the accessibility that we have to artists now where you can tweet at them and fucking follow their Facebook page and all this shit, right. which is cool. But it just, it, it, when that level of mystique is taken away, there's no getting it back, but artists yeah. like him and Prince, uh, Madonna to a lesser extent, uh, Manson before social media, like had this, like yeah. this, this era about them, like this aura about them rather that like, you, you, like you, you, you felt like you knew them, but you also felt like they weren't quite human. Yeah, like they, they were like larger than life. Because well, you only saw them in that one capacity, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think that's something that social media, you know, has provided a, a platform for a lot of people. I think that's something that's actually taken away absolutely from like artists. Period. Accessibility because everybody is yeah, not right? a great thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, then you get too much. You're all into exactly, it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You've all seen what oversaturation can do to an artist. Absolutely. Because also, too, you know, you need to have that, like, curious, and, and maybe for me, just because I grew up without having the internet, but curiosity, like, is what keeps my interest going. If I already know yep. everything that I need to know, then I'm like, all right, I don't, I'm over it. I don't, I'm, I'm not feeling what you have to say anymore. Yeah, and like, you know? like if you if you hear like like you don't hear anymore. If, like, if you think about it, man, like you don't hear anymore. Like, so and so is gonna have like a big interview. Like, you don't hear about that shit anymore because you don't give a fuck because you can go watch a thousand interviews with them at any time you fucking want. But it used to be, like, if an artist did did an interview, it was, like, a big deal. Like, you was like, oh, shit, it's Thursday. Like, I'm going to stop and listen to this interview or they got an interview in a magazine or whatever. I'm going to stop what I'm doing and read it. I remember watching Rap City on on BET during, like, the 90s. And, and like, like, wait, like, especially when Joe Claire was running it and, like, waiting with angst 
to see who he was going to be interviewing. And, and, he, inter- yeah. and he, like, to his credit, like, he would ask tough questions. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. like, I remember him asking artists, like, how does it feel to be the lowest selling recording artist of all time and shit like that? Like, that's, that's <laughs> fucking, like, you would never, you would never hear that sort of a question asked anymore. And then you had so, and you had so few of those shows, those platforms where, you know, where you, where you could actually get to just hear from that artist. So you look forward. You would look yeah. forward to a rap city or even the you know, MTV raps back when that was on. You know what I'm saying? You look forward to actually sitting and hearing your favorite artist talking or whatever the case is. I used to personally look, me and my buddy, um, we, we had a group at the time and we were all about freestyle battling, freestyling. So I used to look forward to the fucking, um, to the, to the, um, to in the booth joint, you know what I'm saying? On your MTV rap. I mean, on, on, um, on rap city, on rap city. You know what I'm saying? When they would get in there and they would do the, do the booth or whatever. In case you get a chance to freestyle or whatever. I remember. I don't remember that on Rhapsody. I, I mean, I, I do. Remember, I remember it on with Tigger. During yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. I used to look forward to that shit. But it was also cool because, like, Joe Claire specifically and Fat Five Freddy then on on MTV, mm-hmm. uh, they would go to these like neighborhoods, like where these artists were from, and like interview them in their neighborhoods. And it was like I don't know. There was something about that. Like, and especially because you didn't have access to it like you do now. You can go get yeah. on Google Earths and go look at this guy's neighborhood. But there was something about it, like, at the time where you were like, oh, shit, like, this is where it's really like, like, where this guy is from. And especially, like, you know, like, it wasn't that interesting to me when it, when they had East Coast rappers on or whatever because, like, I'm familiar with those areas. But, like, when I saw, like, Southern areas, like, or if I saw, like, like Southern areas especially, I'd be like, oh, my God, this looks like dirt like this looks like, you know, like I, I would think to myself, like this looks like, like, like we don't know when when, when our next meal is coming for. But and like yeah. I, re- I remember conversely, like seeing like like Californian artists, you know what I mean, and, and they're talking about shooting the police and everything else. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why are these guys so mad with a fucking palm tree in their front yard? <laughs> like I'd fucking kill for a palm tree in my front yard. You know what I never got really, and I may gather some hate for this shit, but what, during that time for during, during that time frame, obviously not now because it's changed so much. During that time frame, there were only uh, a few uh, West Coast rappers that I even gave a fuck about. But it was always funny to me how the the idea was that the West Coast was running shit musically. You know what I'm saying? Well, like that happened. That happened later on. That that was like yeah. uh, when when I I feel like that really happened when when the Chronic hit. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. That's the time yeah, frame yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. Like for me, it wasn't it wasn't that because maybe it was just my my perspective. Because for me, everything was, I am an MC, I am hip hop, everything starts in the East. You know what I'm saying? Everything, yeah. Matter of fact, everything starts in New York and then sprouts out from there. Well, and yep. being from Atlanta saying that, that was a hard thing. But um, when, I, when I looked at West Coast, because I was always looking for lyrics, and I look for lyrics in a certain way. So when you're coming from the West Coast, like I, I love, don't get me wrong, I loved NWA, I loved Ice Cube, and shit like that. You know what I mean? But the idea... Uh, that, that the West Coast was really running shit, and that's around that's around the Chronic time, like, like you said, Bobby. I really never, I never personally saw that. You know what I'm saying? I never saw that. I never like, I never got that from it. And I was like, yeah, what, what do you mean they're running shit? They not spitting no lyrics. Well, but that's yeah, probably my because I think they came. I think it's because those dudes came out talking like some hardcore shit. You know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, granted, it wasn't like heavily like on some sophisticated lyrics, but it was like, look, this is exactly what's going on, and this is, you know what I mean? I think it was just more of a, a real social impact. And yeah, I, I think that's the case with NWA, but I don't necessarily yeah. think that's the case with, like, The Chronic. 
No, yeah, I think exactly. at the, I think at that point you're looking at oh shit, okay, so you have the hype from NWA, and then here comes Dre now with his own album. Right. You know what I mean? And it was good, and it was you know based around like all right. And this is, I've had this conversation with you before, Bobby. But to me, like the the real difference was like the East Coast was mainly focused on lyrics and stuff like that, where West Coast was real musical based. Yeah, it was very. Yeah. I feel like West Coast was very much about the vibe. Right. Yeah. Like it was all like, about the funk. To be honest with you, they pulled yeah, a lot. Yeah, at that time, at that time, definitely. But like, I, 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 seeing... I was never even down for their beats. I never liked their beats. I, I didn't understand. either. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like, I like. <laughs> I, I like didn't Snoop, but I didn't like them fucking beats. Drake was but, like a beat monster to me at the time. Because, well, I think for me, like, I like and I have kind of always liked music that, that's that's with aggressive content. Yeah. And, like, those fucking chill-ass beats, like, just never fucking moved me. But I, I remember thinking, like, like when people were getting so excited about The Chronic, and don't get me wrong, like, I recommend, like, I'm not recommend, I, I, I respect, or, or respect, rather, and, and understand like the importance of the chronic, like I get it, but like when I was in like '91 or whatever year that was, and and like I hear a guy going one, two, three, and to the four, like I remember thinking to myself, like this is shit that the guys that I'm listening to were doing ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. There, there were a lot. Now there were there were some, um, and this probably came a little bit later. Um, and then we're jumping around time frames like a motherfucker. Yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. So you, let's get back on track. <laughs> Listen, because we'll especially and not to not to talk about the West Coast and stuff like that, but that's yeah, I mean I don't think I've said, but I grew up in Los Angeles, and so you'll get that whole you'll get that point of reference. Let, so, let me just say before we leave the West Coast, let me just tip my hat to Roscoe and motherfucker mm-hmm. Safir. Those were two of my most favorite MCs. I mean, because when I when I first heard when I first heard Safir. It was Safir with the boxcar sessions, right? Yeah, when yeah. I first the saucy nomad. Oh my God! I was like, God, where have you been? You know what I'm saying? Well, I remember. Uh, well, and that's where, like, talking about the West Coast. I mean, so not to even go back, but you know, you had Dre and all those go dudes. Back, go and, back. Well, I was just saying, you uh-huh. had all those mainstream dudes, but the underground hip hop, especially in Los Angeles, with like, um, shit. Why can't I think of it now? It'll come to me. But the underground hip hop in the West Coast was very much. It was a completely different thing than, like, because it really, like, the gangster rap kind of took over everything. Like, it took over mm-hmm. the West Coast completely. But well, everything was, was ha- like, it was like a, a simultaneous media push of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like they had, like, gangster music and then, like, gangster movies out of Los Angeles were, like, coming out at the same time. Oh, it was yeah. just like, it was like an onslaught of culture, but it was all, it was very, you know, kind of one-dimensional. Yeah. I think, too, at the same time, from the Hollywood aspect of it, even though it's, like, the, the living situation's terrible, and really, you do have these gang members that are blasting each other, but, like, from a from a Hollywood standpoint, there's something, like, romantic and interesting about that. You know, it's interesting. Sure. It makes good cinema, so I think that kind of helped push that, yeah, too. Yeah, it's, it's always fun to watch the fucking monkeys in the cage, is how I always felt. You know well, I'm saying? definitely not going to say anything like that, but I'm going I'm <laughs> to say, I'm, 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 I'm gonna say that, like... <laughs> we all felt like that, so I can say it, you know what I I'm remember saying? watching it as a kid and being like, I don't understand why these guys are killing each other. Like... Like, I, I, watching it as a child, like, and I say a child loosely, I was a young teenager, but, like, I, I remember thinking, like, like, it doesn't seem like these guys are killing each other over money or drugs. Like, I, I, they're just killing each other. Yeah, that's really, I mean, just because you were in the wrong neighborhood, or you... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that was a real thing. I mean, I, granted, I didn't grow up in, in South Central LA. I mean, I lived, you know, maybe 20 miles or so, which is a, a lifetime away at that point. 
but I mean, even still then, like as a kid, like you, that was just a, that's, you wouldn't get killed where I was as a kid, but you would definitely get jumped like on a daily basis. If you just walk down one block over, you're like, all right, I have to go one block over out of my way. Even though it's a little I, bit longer, I, I got to risk, you know, getting beat. I can say there's been places that I live quite a few, as a matter of fact, that, cause like, um, like when I was young, like for instance, Ellenwood going down by Ben Hill, Ellenwood, if you wasn't from Ellenwood, and that was like widely known. Ellenwood, Techwood, <laughs> Techwood. <laughs> if you wasn't from there, do not get caught your ass in there, man. And there was there was a story about uh, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but there was a story about a lady who was brought one of her coworkers that brought her home, right? And they stopped by the grocery store to get groceries, and and the the coworkers waiting for her to go in the house and take the stuff in. And while she was sitting in the car, they ran up on her and, sh- and blew her fucking brains out because she was, they didn't recognize the car from the neighborhood. And that's just how, but that was more so about thinking about the dope game that was going on in, in, in Ellenwood and shit at the time. See, so, but that's but the yeah. thing that I was, I was more familiar with was, you know, I, I grew up 15 miles south of Baltimore. And mm-hmm. I, so, like, it, everything was about drugs. It was, a, it was a drug culture. Like, you know, but, but when I watched these movies, I was like, I was like, man, it seems like, it seems like drugs aren't really a big deal. And I mean, I'm sure they were, but like, you know, New Jack City focused on drugs. Like, I got that. You know, but like when I would watch like Boys in the Hood or Menace Society, I would be like, I'd be like, these guys are just fucking angry. Yeah, all these, no, fucking, all these yeah. fucking palm trees and they're angry. And I mean, I get that, like, you know, poverty, <laughs> poverty is poverty, right? I get that. Yeah. I get that, like, you know, all the angst and stuff that comes out of those areas. I totally get it. I'm just saying that, like, from a young person, like, as an older person, but from a younger person's perspective, I was like, I was like, it's probably fucking 80 some degrees there. I was like, when you look around, like, where, where, where like, the areas that I'm from, it's like, it gets like 10 degrees and these fucking brick fortresses with like 30,000 people living in them. I'm like, I get why you're upset, dude. I totally get it. But like when it's like eighty five degrees with a palm tree in the front yard, I'd be like, dude, like, and you got a weight bench right out front, just exercise a little. <laughs> I never got, and I, I don't want to keep following, but I never got right. Cause, okay, I remember, I remember the mystique of like, oh, that's like that L.A. gang culture is something crazy. Like everybody at the time, everybody was a. I, I think that everybody had a new respect for the L.A. gang culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what I never, but I never understood, and maybe just maybe you can uh, shed some light on this. It's fucking, it's fucking California. It's hot. I know it's hot. I don't know that it snows there very often. How is these cats always walking around in flannels? I yeah. never understood well, that. Well, because you got like, to look at, too, like, all right, so, I mean, the summers in Los Angeles will get hot. You know, it'll get up. It's different than the East Coast. There's no humidity. So, and, and I know, unless you've experienced it, it's way different. You know what I mean? Like, because it, it, it could be, it could be a hundred, it could be a hundred degrees outside. Like the city would maybe get up to like, you know, especially around there. It may, you know, maybe gets up to a hundred, one hundred five or something like that, which is hot. But if you're in the shade, it's fucking eighty five degrees. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it was just about like so. It's and it's not muggy. Like you know, the best way to explain it, if you've, if you're in humidity or if you've never been in humidity, is like picture taking the steamiest, like somebody taking the steamiest shower, and then you're walking into the bathroom just after they got out of the shower it's hot as shit it's like oh my god like that's what humidity feels like and you don't have that out there on the west coast at all like when you smoke a cigarette in maryland and you exhale the smoke it's like it's just sits around you like it doesn't blow away like because of the humidity like it's just like (laughs) it's just like becomes part of the air that you're in yeah so you don't have any of that so like even though and most of the days, it's like in the 90s, but if it's breezy, and it usually is, I mean, Los Angeles especially gets gets 
I mean, it's not windy city, but it gets breezy and it's it's nice. So, and a lot of the times you got to look at too, like so. Then in the winter time, when you guys are getting snow and stuff like that, it's like sixty-five mm-hmm. degrees, you know. So it's like, all right, cool, that's perfect. We can wear a flannel. Oh, and, and I think it's just about. Like, and then I, I was to say, then I think it's just about too. Obviously, you know, image and reputation was a big thing. Yeah. So it's like you're gonna rock that shit either. Well, and then you know, the media's only showing certain parts of it. You know what I'm saying? Certain, right. certain parts. Because I'm sitting here, I'm like, it's hot there. I know in Georgia, I know in Atlanta right now it's so hot you don't even want to go outside. Yeah, so I can only imagine how hot it's there. So I'm like, how the fuck they got these flannels on? <laughs> like, I, I like that was that. the only that was the shit that baffled me. Like, <laughs> I understood the gang shit. I understood the drugs, the fight. I understood all that. I seen that. I mean, the gang shit was was a bit more intense with the colors, but I understood it. But I couldn't understand them goddamn flannels with the sun outside. I couldn't get that shit. Like, if you've ever been to Florida in in February, yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. it's like. Where it's just like it's the uh, okay. greatest thing ever. Uh, and like, I'll to be honest, like out here, there was no gangs. Like, at least it did. Really? You know, there may have been, but nothing. You know, it was like it was just like crews. Like, you know, oh, like yeah, you're right. You know, like it was like guys that they, they were just a group of friends that had each other's backs, took care of each other, sold drugs together, whatever they did. But they, it was not like, you know, they wore this color and these guys wore that color, and it wasn't like that. Yeah. I don't even think that shit. I don't think that whole gang shit. I mean, because even in in the, the areas I remember living in. Uh, in Atlanta, we didn't really have gangs. I think I don't think really anybody ever laid claim to a gang until the whole colors phenomenon and all right, of that right. shit. After that, all of a sudden, such and such is a crip. Oh, such and such is a blood. You heard such and such is a crip. Oh, such and such is a blood. You know, it was it just got crazy from there. And I think that's I don't know. That's kind of silly. But we totally went off of hip hop. Yeah, but 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 to get back on track. So you, you, LL Cool J is your favorite rapper. At that point, when I was when I was, LL Cool J started me into wanting to be an MC, and was my earliest favorite rapper. And I've gone through a number. If I had to, if I had to list my top favorite um, MCs or favorite rappers, um, Pac would be at the top, but not because of his lyrical skill or even his rhyming, which is funny, right? So it would be Pac, it would be uh, Nas. Um, somewhere in there is Rakim and KRS One. And um, then there's room for a great others, but I would have to I would have to um, give uh, respect to Redman, who I feel like does not get the yeah, lyrical respect. Yeah, that he I agree. Serious. I agree with you there. Yeah, Redman is disgusting. But I'm man. a little disappointed that there's no J in there, but it's fine. <laughs> nah, nah, no Jay Z. <laughs> like I, I like Jay Z, and I gain more respect for him later. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like like I, I mean, me. You talk about this, Bobby. I, I think that. Um, my favorite Jay Z album, besides the black the black album, was that joint with the Life Is a Beast chair joint. That was it. Kingdom Come. Yeah, which I'm not Come? even I'm not even a big fan of that album, but I'm a big I, fan I, of that song. For me, I felt like Kingdom Come was so creative and so lyrically different from anything that he had done. I had to respect him at that time. Well, real had, quick, a, a side note about Kingdom Come that I think is lost on a lot of people, but Kingdom mm-hmm. Come is actually it's a it's a comic book reference because was he was he re- referring to the comic? Yeah, which is why the first song you heard off of it, he had all that comic book fucking reference shit in it that uh, Step Inside the Booth, Superman's Alive, and, you know... Oh, you know, I never put it together. I never put it together. All that shit, because the Kingdom Come comic from DC Comics, the Black Album was supposed to be his retirement album, and then that Mm. Kingdom Come record was the record that came after it. And in in DC Comics, and like an Elseworlds story... Uh, all the superheroes retired when this one new hero came out and murdered the Joker. And all this, all the superheroes at the time were like, you know what? It's not my game anymore. You guys have a different way of doing it. We're out. And everybody retired except for Batman. 
and uh, anyway, shit happens, and they have to come out of retirement to fix the world. In the book, and so Jay Z pictures up is that huh? exactly, and the book is so, called Kingdom Come. And I, and I, I own the book. I never, I never really put that together, but that shows you how much of a Jay Z fan I am, though. Dude, that dude, man. I, well, I mean, trust me, we'll get to him. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey, let me ask you a question about these, like these top MCs that you just listed. I mean, is this, is this still currently, or is this just at that time frame? Um, my my tops are my tops, like because oh no, I'm you know what? Damn, I, let me let me let me rearrange that. First favorite is uh, first favorite is is Pac. Just for Pac being Pac, you know what I'm saying. But if I had to go, if we're talking about just music and stuff like that, then my first favorite uh, would be Nas. Uh, it's Nas, and then there's uh, Common, and then there's KRS, Redman, and Rakim. You know what I'm saying? Those are my those are, those are like my pillars of like of like of the MC. Those are my pillars right there. Which I will say, none of which are as consistent as Jay. <laughs> Let me ask you something about Tupac. Like, cause you're saying it's not for him, like, like music. Is it, I mean, is it just for him socially? Like, what he was trying to do socially? Well, no, it's not. It's it's the okay. So being an MC, I, my my favorite MCs were my favorite MCs because they they influenced my perspective on hip hop. Not only my perspective on hip hop, my perspective on creating songs, flowing my style, and everything like that. So when it came to Pac, Pac was. You could feel Pac. You know what I'm saying? Like, his lyrics might be this, his lyrics might be that. He might not be the greatest lyricist. As a matter of fact, I'm one of the first people to say that he repeated so much shit. You know, like, I only like, out of all of Pac's albums, I think I only like really two of his albums. And that was uh, Strictly For My Niggas and Brenda's Got a, and, uh, the, nah, not the Brenda's Got a Baby, but the uh, Tupacalypse Now. Right. You know what Do I'm you saying? think it was uh, his overemphasis of vowels that made you love him? <laughs> You uh, look, look. Only reason why I say it, look, look. I, I'm, I'm uh-huh. not a Pac fan. I'm not a Pac fan. I, I, I respect him. I respect his music. I, res- I totally respect his angle and all that. But it sh- I should get this out of the way because people are going to think I'm hating on him. I'm not. I'm just not. A, I'm not a fan of his music in general. <clears throat> That's not to say I don't like some songs here and there. I do. It's not to say I don't respect them. I do with the utmost. But you're just not feeling it. It's just it wasn't just don't for you. feel it. Right. And every time, like, there's a major highway in Maryland that runs from west to east. It's called I-70. It goes all the way out to Chicago and beyond. And um, we always say, like, if we're, like my buddies and I, we're running, we're going going down I-70. Police got me scared to speed, like because like <laughs> oh, that Tupac overemphasis of vowels. I think that uh, uh I think that with Pac, it was uh, well, it's it's. it's Two things, and one thing I have to I have to be honest and admit. So, okay, again, had a hard life, had a rough life, and Pac was all, we moved around so much. You know what I'm saying? And Pac was always in my headphones when shit was going on. Like I remember, you know, having to pack up the U-Haul truck because if we don't get this shit out of this house, it's going to be on the street because they're coming to fix. That's when we had a house. You know what I'm saying? And my brother was a kid; he got to play around. There was no dude there because my dad wasn't there, so it was me and my mom. And I'm young. You know, and we're packing all this shit into the truck. I mean, all of the furniture into the truck. You know what I'm saying? So, and, you know, I'm looking at my life being tore up again, and we're going somewhere else to restart anew, and Pac is in the headphones. So he was automatically uh, thrust into my life in that way. But right. beyond that, he had a presence among Absolutely. artists. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah, you just couldn't deny. Like, I, 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 I can't even fucking listen to All Eyes on Me. That, that, that album I don't even like. I don't like it. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know like, what else you can't it, deny? What's that? Is that he is a rider? <laughs> no, you can't deny that because he is a rider. <laughs> yeah, so that, and, that's why, and you, that's don't, why uh, you don't, don't want to fuck with him. <laughs> that's why. 
that's why like Pac was Pac will always be my number one. Um, Nas, Nas changed the, and I know you know this is more so attributed to Rakim, and I love Rakim because we're supposed to like Rakim as MCs, right? But and I and I not, not to take anything from Rakim, but Nas brought about a difference as far as writing and actually composing and putting a story and it sounded not just like a rap, but you can take it off of the paper, leave a beat away, take a beat away from it and read it like poetry. To, Nas introduced that to me. You know what I'm saying? Like from all the way back from, what was it, Live at the Barbecue from the first time I heard his verse from that shit, I was like, wait, we can do that with a rap? You know what I'm saying? So that changed my my, my whole perspective on rapping. And I always like writing stories and comics and shit, you know, comic stories, long stories, poetry. So, but I always separated that from rap because I feel like rap had to be something different. And he showed me something different. Right. You know what I, I would say that too about Nas, just, just to agree with you. Like Illmatic to me was a, a game changer in a lot of ways, just in like how yeah. I, I thought about hip hop and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then for me, common sense was the the uh, the premier b boy. Like to be a b boy, not sitting in the breakdancing sense, but in the you know the the, the MC the MC stands the hip hop head stands, uh, sense or the backpacker, if you will. To me, yeah. common sense yeah. represented that fucking b boy. So I modeled myself as a b boy from him. And then of course, you know, Karis One was the teacher. You know what I'm saying? So you got to give it to KRS One. Like, yeah, well, you Karis, you know, K, I've, I've said this before. KRS One lost all credit with me in the interview uh, after 9 11. Where, like, I can't, I like, I, I have every Boogie Down Productions album. I have all of his solo work up until that interview. And then I was like, nope, you're done. You're which, done. which, which, uh, which, which was this? He I said, remember, I remember you catching some, I remember catching some heat about some shit, like something like that. He said, when 9 11 happened, Black people looked up to the towers and said, "Ah, justice." And I remember that fucking. You know what? That's the that's the arrogance of, of one guy. You know, see. Yeah, well, I mean, like, of course, of course, it's the arrogance of one guy. I mean, like, well, there's fucking tons yeah. of black people that fucking died in those buildings. You know what I mean? It's not like like they they definitely weren't looking up, going like, finally, justice is served. <laughs> It, it, the message, the message, I, I remember the message that he was actually trying to convey, which that was a, a poor way and, and in poor taste to, to to get it across. And I, and actually, I actually don't even want to go in with it because I would take it to a conversation that we that, that we should have Adam on for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, or, or maybe not. <laughs> yeah, or maybe not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, nah. But um, just keeping it just keeping it strictly to the music. Yeah, it, him being KRS One, like, and and I, and I say, I guess I said another reason that he is a top um, MC for me because like there's no one that I can think of that I would and I've always said this there's no one I can think of that I would uh, be intimidated or like have second thoughts about battling but I've always said like, even, not that I would ever be in a position to ever get the battle KRS-1 but I've always thought of KRS-1 as oh wait you might make, you might not want to you might not want to step into that ring you know oh, what I'm saying right. I, I, will, I will say this in regard like that is an interesting discussion that maybe we should have on a show in the future is how important is it to like the artist to like the music? You know, you know I mean? yeah. that's everything. I can't, if I don't see, like you as a person, see, I'm not going to listen to you. See, I, I would say that, but I'd have to admit Kanye West is the exception to that rule for me. See, I, that's right. I don't listen to Kanye, though. And I, I hear you that you don't listen to him. Asshole. You know what he I mean? is. Yeah. He is, but I can't deny that he's probably... Well, I can't deny that Tupac's a fucking writer, but I also cannot deny <laughs> that... Um, he probably is making the best rap music right now, in my opinion. I would say he's making the best music. Uh, it's like, like music-wise, production-wise, uh, I would say that 
and, and just creativity wise. Right. Yeah. You're talking. I, you're talking mainstream rap music. Right. I'm now? talking. I'm talking in general. Like, I don't think that there's anyone in hip hop music right now that's investing as much into their record as he is into his. And, and to, be like, at a, financially to be at financially, yeah, I don't creatively, and to be at a point, uh, I don't know. to I be don't at know. a point, uh, success wise that he is. I feel like I that's. I, agree I feel like that's. That level, I feel like that's uncommon. I feel like that's yeah. uncommon. Like, do you think he's at a point where he could just be phoning it in and still selling millions of records and stuff, but he's not doing that? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, and the only reason I say that, and I don't have. At this moment, I don't have anybody that I could say, no, dude, look at this guy. This guy's putting in a ton of music. But I just don't know if I can agree with you on that only because I don't know how much – I mean, it may seem like he's putting in, but you don't know how much the next guy is investing into the music, you know? I hear you, but I'm saying, like, I think that if, if – I, I, I don't think that the guy sitting at home with a with a, with an MP or, a, or, you know, any sort of, like, sequencer machine and a microphone – right can put as much into it that he's putting into it. Like, I don't even think it's possible. I don't think that that, that person is equipped to compete. Maybe. You know what? <laughs> I'll, I'll say that, um, I'll say that uh, at, at his level of success, I would, I think I would have to, as far as like who's on tier with him right now, I think I might have to agree with that. Like hip hop wise. And, and only, and only if, um, I can say that. Cause I, I'm not sure. I, I, I think that I'm not, I'm not sure if Kendrick Lamar does his own production or not. You know what I'm saying? And if if, if Kendrick does the majority of his own production, then I would have to throw Kendrick Lamar's uh, hat into that ring. You well, know what the, I'm saying? And, and, I, and let me say this: like I, I'm not, I, I don't know much about Kendrick, but I'm familiar mm-hmm. with 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 him. That what I'm saying about Kanye is not to say that he is one of the greatest rappers, or that he is a great rapper, or has ever been a great rapper. Like. That's that's a side conversation. I'm just saying that yeah, the, yeah. The, the finished product that he's putting out, I'm not sure if anyone is investing as much into theirs as he is into his. Well, yeah, and, and see, that's what I'm saying. Like, because, I, like, as far as like just him, him being a rapper, then then obviously not, right? But as far as being an artist on, and see, and I don't, and I think it would be premature for me to say because Kendrick Lamar is huge, but I don't sure. think that he's reached that Kanye West level yet. No, hell no. Yeah, I don't think he's reached that level, so yeah, I can't even really right. use him in that. I can't even really put him in that comparison. You, I, I think I might have to agree with you. Yeah, and we're not because like, we're not talking about rapping. We're talking about just the fin, like you said, the finished product. Yeah, I I like where, where this motherfucker is listening to his song and it's like, uh, at the last thirty seconds, it needs a trumpet solo by this particular trumpet player. I'm gonna go ahead and get him on this record. Like that's some, that's some other shit. Yeah. Like yeah, that's, I, I gotta get that to him. I gotta get that to him. I mean, but don't you think, do you think, and I just guess to kind of play devil's advocate, but do you think that, like, he's got the means to do that? You know what I mean? It's like, that's not saying, like, some dude who's in his room, maybe he would love to fucking do that shit, but he just doesn't have those means. But that's, that's sure, not, that's not the but point that, that guy in his room is not putting out product. Yeah, that's not the point of Bobby's, but he's saying that an artist on the level that Kanye West is on okay. now, typically at that point, that, let's just put it, let's just say like this, typically at that point, they're not as hungry anymore. They can just put out some shit. Right. You know I, what I'm saying? I definitely agree. Yeah, and he hasn't fallen to that yet. He's I definitely like, agree that he... he oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was cutting you off. No, buddy, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I definitely agree that, like, he still has passion. Sorry, Mike, you hear this? My kids decides to play some drums right now. <laughs> hold, hold on one second. No, 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 it's okay. fine. Let's just stop the show. But I, I <laughs> just to, like, further talk about it, like, like yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't think that there's, like... There, there may be someone in a room somewhere saying, like, man, if only I had this one particular gospel singer 
on this song for 20 seconds that would make this record pop. They may be doing that, thinking that, but he's the only yeah. one doing it. And, and of course, because of the state that he's in with the money that he has, the resources that he has, he has the privilege to make those things happen. But there's plenty of other people with that sort of money that aren't thinking that way. Right. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, agree, I agree with you there. With yeah, that. I agree with that too. But any, anyway, to try to get back to so we can get through one episode. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, so you, you got into LL and, and then you, where did you go beyond LL? <laughs> Oh, fuck, I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> so, like, it, it, well, just um, your progression, your progression. Like, all right, so you're, you're, you're what at that point? LL, you're eight or well, nine? Then, I, I guess we got to Nas. We got to Nas. And so. Tupac. Well, no, no, because there was a, I mean, there was a lot of music consumption between LL and me actually sitting down with a pen and paper and actually writing my first serious rhyme. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was stealing a lot of shit in the beginning. As a little bitty kid, you a kid, you fuck. What do you know? You know what I'm saying? But um, so I, I went through a lot because you went. Through, I went through like the LL Cool J's and 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 all those all those artists for that time. Like fucking um, oh, what's my man name? Um, uh, Special Ed. You know what oh, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Kid and plays the well, all, all Big Daddy Kane. You know what I'm speaking, saying? Speaking speaking of like, well, we have Big Daddy Kane's a different story. I'm surprised you can even like Big Daddy Kane since you can't bear to mention Jay Z's name in your top five. But but but, but the, uh, the, the, the to to talk about like that that era where you also had like extreme commercial successes coming, like how did you feel about music like Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer, Young MC stuff like that? You no, know, it's like, funny you- that you say that, sir. It's funny that you say that mm-hmm. <laughs> because one in the South, first of all, you were hungry in in, in let's just speak specifically about Atlanta. You were happy to get any rap you could you know what i'm saying right, because right, right. you didn't have rap stations like you like you have now like I, I think we can all speak to this you got rap you got stations playing nothing but rap and you're lucky if you get some true r&b on there now you know there's some true rhythm and soul do, so, they, make, uh, do back, they make r&b music anymore yeah i mean yeah do they you know what i'm saying right. <laughs> do they but um back then man it was whatever you can get and i was so open I'm, I'm I'm not like a lot of other cats who were like, okay, I can only listen to this, I can only listen to that. I was so open to so many other four, uh, uh, genres of music that you know I had a, I, I was I was open to a little bit of diversity in my rap, like because yo Vanilla Ice, I still loves me some Vanilla Ice, bro. On my down days, I pop in cool as ice. You know what I'm saying? I pop in some cool as ice, bro. I lean back on the couch and I feel good about myself. <laughs> well, so, it's funny, like. Uh, just real quick, I just, I just want to clarify my, do they make R&B music anymore? I just want to say this as a general rule. When it comes to me, if you're an R&B singer and you say in the club, on your record, anywhere, you're no longer R&B singer. <laughs> and really, do they have R&B singers anymore? I see some guys singing. I see some soul. But now, and if we would, if I got to say this now because we touched on it. Do they make rap in the mainstream when we hear on the radio is it rap anymore is it, is it you know because the rappers are yeah, singing and the singers everything's you know crossed what I'm over so much that it's kind of just one like it could go each hip-hop could also encompass r&b and r&b could also encompass I don't even, hip-hop i don't call it hip-hop bro i don't i saw I don't. that uh hop was it hop spin did that record where it was like this is the type of music you guys like and it has like this real corny ass beat to it and he's like uh he's like he's like the demon the dollar in the kuna matata. <laughs> um, so anyway, we're at an hour. Yeah, we're at an hour, right? Well, in 30 seconds. All right, let's can we go 20 more minutes? I can go whenever. All right, cool. Mickey, try to try, try to try to move forward in your story. Yeah, 
Right. This is bull crap. I don't. I don't see why I didn't want to go. For it. Okay. No. 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 Okay. Go, go, look. Look. Uh, so your teenage years. What, what, what was the music in your teenage years? Well, you were a teen. You were old uh, shit, man. So you were probably listening to Run DMC in your. Well, my, no, no, no. My teenage years. Um, that's 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 that 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 woofy. That's when like. Right. My, my teenage years were the '90s, the the mid to late '90s, and the early 2000s. In my stretch, no, nah, the, the '90s. Did you get wrapped up in in any of that that uh, G funk music? Did you get like that? Shit totally missed me, dude. Like I I, just, I wasn't for that shit. Though. Like I like Snoop, I like Dre. You know what I'm saying? I like I liked uh, some of that shit. You know what I mean? And then later on, like, I love fucking Bone Thugs and Harmony. I love Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's certain shits, but and, they, and to be fair, six? they weren't necessarily... Come on. So that's later, though, isn't it? Well, I, I mean, what? they commercially came out later, but, you know, there's always that old tale that who took it from who. Really? What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, oh, hold, hold on one second. Yeah, just a minute. Hey, what book did he say? I, I couldn't hear him. Triple oh. C's on him at 3-6 Mafia. Like, I think I'm so, from Atlanta. Three Six Mafia is well, invented. Oh, that's my- the argument. That's the argument. At least you know around when Bone Thugs was coming out, it's like, oh, they stole that whole flow from from Three Six Mafia in in a way. I know they. And I don't scared, know. But- I've never heard Three Six rap like Bone. Bone is definitely yeah, their yeah, own. Yeah. I feel like. But to be fair, everyone everyone was pretty much under the assumption that they stole all that shit from Tongue Twister. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, but Twister- it's not the same though. Twister's not no, the same. It's not. It's not. But you know how it goes back then. Everybody, yeah. oh, you stole my soul. You stole my sound. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I was that. That was my golden era. Fucking tribe called Quest. You know the the uh, the Jungle Brothers, the Dagon. Um, who's the uh, who's my who's my group? Um, ah, God, who's my group? Um, they made they made Saturday. God, I can't believe I can't remember their fucking name, man. De La Soul. Oh, De La yeah. Soul. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man, fuck They're all uh, going down the Native Tongues list. They, 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 Native Tongues is my shit, dude. Name, you know me, name me your five favorite Jungle Brothers songs. Nah, I can't really do that because I didn't really have You know a why you can't do that? Because nobody can do that. That's my that's my theory. That's <laughs> because my theory. Because you got, like, no, no, I agree I, with you. I fuck with Jungle okay, Brothers, too, and everybody mentions them when they start talking about, like, great eras and stuff, and I love them, too. I'm not disrespecting them, but whenever I ask anybody to name five Jungle Brothers records, they're like, uh, scenario? I'm like, nope. You know, like, it's... Yeah, that's not like, Brothers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm saying there's certain there's certain cats you like because you know, like I said, like there's certain cats you like because you know it's hip hop. You kind of gotta like them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's certain guys I stood I stood in opposition of like like Sadat X. Sadat X was loved, but I'm like ah nah that shit don't. That voice. What he, yeah, what he's saying that nah. And and you know who was my the main cat? I used to like debate. We used to like catch the bus. Be on the back on the way back from school on Marta and shit. And I was in um high school. And um God, what was his name? Um he did Jazzmatez, uh Gangstar. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. dude, my dude just swore that fucking uh that man, he just swore that Gangstar was the illest shit ever. And on the production side, yeah, they killed it. You know what I'm saying? You know but, what's funny is I had awesome. I had the same conversations. But I used yeah. to be, I, I used to be, and am still am in a lot of ways critical of Premiere. Yeah, no, I, like, I still I love Premiere. Man. I love Premiere. I, I know, but I'm, that's what I'm saying is that I was at the opposite boat. Not that I gave Guru a whole ton of love either, because I wasn't crazy about that whole, you know, like no inflection in the voice shit. But like Guru was my problem. Yes, <laughs> Guru was like, my problem. 
But Premier, man, I think he got a lot of credit as being like one of the greatest hip hop producers over. And I'm not trying to knock him, but I know people get emotional about such shit. But like, I just feel like he's so many of his songs that people deem as classic. It's just a two bar loop over and over and over again for like four minutes. And people are like, oh, he's, he's brilliant. I'm like, it's too, like, boop, boop. That's just but one bar, and it's the, the whole song. That's the thing to me, especially about like coming from the West Coast, where everything was like you had, a, you know, you had a bridge, you had a chorus, you had all these different parts. Like to me, East Coast rap was very that. It had one thing that was just looped. There was no chorus. I mean, there may be been for the song, but the song was just looped for the whole way. So that's that's that, that's how I always saw you know East Coast hip hop as a kid. And not that it was bad, but it was just different. That's why it was hard for me. I didn't get into it until later because it just musically was just I just I couldn't I couldn't get past that. Yeah, I hear you. Do you know I what I mean? Yeah. So for Premiere to me, that's like he did the same thing with like still had that same loop, but they were just more interesting, I think. I th- I agree with that. I you do know? agree with that. And so I think that that's yeah. where that comes from. I, I guess depending on, on where your point of reference is, but Yeah, I think um that, I'm, a, I'm a fan of I'm a, I'm a fan of Premiere. Uh was he the greatest at the time? I don't. I think that some of the, the songs that he that he produced. Oh, he's and the guys, There's no doubt. Yeah, the guys that he gave to the MCs over those songs because a lot of times, you know, the MC has writes the song and has a concept for how the lyrics is gonna go, but the producer helps you to, to curve that shit. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, and I mean, actually turn it into like, a song. Home. Like those. Voices, oh yeah, love group home. Like those love voices are not easy voices to listen to. But yeah. with Premiere behind it, it's a little, it's very easy to listen to. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he he has a gift. I'm not, I'm just saying, like, I feel like, like, you know, a lot of his music is just one or two bars. They're just catchy bars, you know? But it's like, it, I do get a little bored with a lot of his production. Uh, go, going back to my point with uh, with Guru, dude, we used to have Sound Clash. On, I mean, we we we, went, we were going to um, Northside High at the time, which was in downtown. Well, Northside, Atlanta, like close to Buckhead. And, um, but I lived on the South side of town. So my commute from school on the days that I actually did go to school, my commute or stay to school, my commute from school to home was about a two or three hour, you know, um, uh, trip between, uh, martyr buses and train station switches and stuff. And dude, we would just have sound clash from the beginning to the end till I got home, you know, and we went our separate ways over fucking guru being the best MC ever. I just, I couldn't, not no disrespect to Guru, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get around it, man. I couldn't get my head around it, man. But there were, there were a lot of cats at the time that I just, it just fueled that, that I, that I loved. I, I love that whole time frame of, of hip hop and hip hop MCing because for me, the, the major, my major pillar for hip hop at the time was MCing. You know what I'm saying? So that's what my concentration was. And uh, it was, there were a lot of good artists in that time. And to go back to what we were saying earlier about um, you know, loving the artists to love the music. I think that's what you have missing. Either, either you, I'm, I'm not clear yet. Is that what's missing now? That you don't really have a, an, an atta- attachment, or the people don't have an attachment to the arts because there's nothing to really attach to. You know what I'm saying? Or is so, so we can't, so we can't have those humongous stars like we did back in the day. Or is it that people love the artists? so much that they're not paying attention to the bullshit mumble rap music they're putting out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And 
and I can only just speak about it for myself. Like that's the thing is like I'll hear something like, oh, this is pretty good. And because we have, you know, social media and, and the Internet at our fingertips and then I read about the person I'm like, man, this guy's kind of a fucking dick. And then I'm just like, eh, I don't want to I just don't want to support somebody like that. You know, yeah. what I mean? and, and, not, yeah. and I'm saying like a dick, like, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's just I'm just not whatever the dude's about. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really. No, I feel you. I, really I had that moment, it. like like when Bobby said about uh, KRS one with the uh, with the nine eleven uh, comment. I had that. I had a similar moment with Jeezy, who I, I like. I like now. I like a lot more now. But and I and I like before hearing this comment. But I had a moment with him, and I had a moment with uh, well, it ain't too hard with Young Thug. But I, I definitely had a moment with Young Thug with him saying some shit, and I'm like, wait, mother, did you just say that? Like, cause uh, I remember Jeezy was being interviewed. And um, damn, I think it was matter of fact, it was on um on Rap City, and he was like, um, I think it was Tigger. What was it, Tigger that was interviewing him? Was that when Tigger was on? You guys remember? I think what, it was Tigger, huh? Who was the artist in question? Uh, Young Jeezy. I would guess so, because I don't think yeah, Tigger was, was around Tigger. then. And Tigger was talking to him about whatever, whatever, and talking about how he comes hard and he brings it, for, you know, saying for the streets and all of this shit. And I'm cool, you know, that's, that's rap talk, that's how cast talk. But he busts this line, and he was like, and I'm a parent, you know what I'm saying? I take parenting seriously, dude. He busts this line, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I gotta, I gotta keep that message real because we can't all be, we can't all be, you know, doctors and lawyers. And at the time that, and I, I think I was in Kuwait at the time, and. That shit infuriated me, and from that point on, bro, I don't care how fire the Jeezy song was. I couldn't, I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't have it. I couldn't hear yeah, it. Well, yeah, I hear you. Like, and I, but I also think, like, and I, this will probably be a conversation later. But like, you know, as we get older, we have like naturally a more of an adult sensibility, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, like it's it's harder to relate to artists that are appealing to the youth that have like you know youth angst that we as adults may not have. Like I. I think to myself, like, if fuck the police were to come out now, I probably would be like, man, who the fuck do these guys think they are? You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Like, yeah. uh, like uh, you know, like, I mean, but but at the time, I was like, yeah, man, fuck the police. <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? Because I, you know because I was a, because because I was a kid. Right. Also, police guys. <laughs> also, I don't feel like any of the, and, I'm, and I, I'm probably wrong because I don't listen to a lot of it, but I don't feel like any of them are saying anything that profound either. You may be right about that. You know, I mean, that's just as far as like all these new guys that are coming out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know that like people just feel Drake. You know what I mean? And I, I just can't fucking feel that shit. I'm just not trying to hear what that dude has to say. See, that's an example of an artist that I can't get into because I can't get into him. Like, like, so like, Joe. Like, people are gonna hate me for this, especially for criticizing some of the people I've criticized already, and then getting ready to drop this name. But Joe Button is one of my favorite rappers, and it's it's mainly for the same reasons why Mickey mentioned Pac. Like, it's because, like, I feel him emotionally. Right, right. Um, and he's a huge, mega Drake fan. Like, he has a whole, like, he has a podcast, and I listen to it, and, like, this past week's yeah. podcast, it was, like, just, like, a, a Drake fan, like, fic. Like, it was just him going on about on and about how much he loved Drake. And I can't get into Drake because, like, I'm, like, I can't, listen to this guy with any kind of pride because this is just not my type of guy. Right, right, absolutely. Like, I wouldn't want to hang out with this guy. Right. So, like, why would I want to listen to this guy talk? Uh, I, I, re I respect him on, um, well, I, I respect I respect him on a lyrical level until I found that he started getting to, he started having, he was having a lot of ghost rides and made me, like, look at him differently. He is talented. KRS-1, that's okay. Oh, uh, yeah, see, 
I'm not with that. Like, that's what yeah, like I'm saying. Like, like, I, I heard that okay. interview. Yeah. I heard that interview. Ah, <laughs> Ghost Riders. They've been around forever. <laughs> I think it's fine. <laughs> He made the point of saying that he made, and he made the point of saying, you know, as an MC who writes his own lyrics is never going to get down with that. But as far as just, I guess he was just saying, as far as rap period goes, yeah, I'm not, you know, that, when you when you get to the point you saying you got a ghostwriter, like I'm like, uh, nah, nah, I can't, you know, I can't look at you the same way. I might still listen to you, but the song is dope. But I, I can't, I can't still rock the way I, I can't have the faith that I had in you before. I can't, I can't continue to place that faith in you. And so, um. I, I, took, I took a listen to his, I think it was his first album, and it was pretty, I mean, it was good. I, he, lyrically, I, I thought he was there. And and the, and the funny thing is, and this is another topic for another show as well. There's going to be a lot of topics for a lot of other shows, right? Yeah. Um, when you compare lyrics, and I ain't talking about the mumble rap motherfuckers, right? Because there are good, there's a good wide range of cats making music, not just the mumble rap motherfuckers. But when you compare the, the lyrical level to, to some, of these guys, some of these guys are on now, and we're saying, people are actively saying, oh, that ain't, he ain't spitting, he ain't a spitter. But you compare that to what we draw our our um, our scale, if you will, you know what I'm saying, for for lyricism. To, and that comes basically from that 90s era, early 2000s, right? You, you actually have some guys that are really spitting right now, and, and we're saying they're not uh, lyricists. And I'm wondering, I, I, maybe it's just the old man to me, I'm sitting here and I'm wondering, like, well, what, well, what the fuck? You know, because I'm listening to this guy. Listen to that guy, and he may not be talking about the same shit, but his composition is tight. You can't deny his composition the way the way he's stacking his syllables, where he's placing his pauses. You know, it's tight. How's he not? How's he not a lyricist? You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Maybe that's a whole other topic, but I think there are some guys who don't get credit for spitting right now who actually are are are, are ripping. I don't know. Well, I think I think Drake can rap. I think he can rap. Yeah. I think you know. I think he's a rapping ass motherfucker. Like I think he's he can rap. I just yeah. don't like him. Yeah, no, I'm not really a great fan yeah. of that. Like I don't dislike yeah. him. I don't dislike him. I just like I'm like I, I've never had a dude like that around me. Like I don't like I've never like wanted to hang out with like a slick pretty dude. It's just not my <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and like yeah. so, so therefore, like I would really, I don't, I don't feel like I have anything in common with him. Like I don't feel like yeah. I don't feel like. Like we relate on any level, other than I will say, and I mean, and I haven't really talked about this yet, and I will at some point. But like for me, you know, like backpack, as you guys call it, backpack hip hop, for me is really where I'm coming from, and I think it's because I could relate to those dudes more. Like I related to people that were in their room making beats and then putting these tapes out, you know, just on their own, and then you know, gradually they they moved up to to having some official production stuff. But that stuff appealed to me, and I related to that. I also call it uh, Carmel Macchiato rap. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's soft, is that what you say? I say a lot of those rappers. A lot of those rappers spend a lot of time at Starbucks. Is what I'm saying. So let, let me just, let me just say this. Let me just throw this out too, so I, I, I can uh, be a hypocrite right quick. So okay, growing up in the '90s in Atlanta and being like solely dedicated to to East Coast style MCing, right? Because I'm from Atlanta, there are certain pillars. As far as uh, you know, rap artists go, that you had to subscribe to, and, and I still to this day love. And I'm not the guy that likes, like my kids get in the car and they want to listen to the guy singing "I'm in love with the Coco" and the the, the Chirac savages and all of this, the Migos and all this bullshit, right? And I'm like, I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want these cats talking about killing other other black people and all this kind of shit, right? But you know, we know that hip hop 
that street shit has has its roots. I mean, hip hop has its roots in that street shit as far as rap goes. But I take it one further and say, being from the south, I got a, a plethora of negative artists that I'm just down for. And I don't care what you say. You know what I'm saying? Like my three six mafia, that shit's riding with me no matter what. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and that's what I think. I think just re- <laughs> I think just regionally and just culturally for you, you're gonna have artists that that could be terrible. But you're just like, yeah, for whatever reason, this is just it, it's a it's a part of you now. You know yeah, what I mean? Like choice. a mole. You don't want Perfect. it there, but it's there to stay. Yeah, Pastor Troy. I, I, man, I used to love me. What? The Pastor Troy? Dog, I love me some Pastor Troy. Like, in the, I mean, the first major rapper. Like everybody thinks of, you know, Outkast as the first major rapper from Atlanta. The first major rapper from Atlanta was Kilo. And he was horrible, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this song called uh, Cocaine. Dude, uh, but, fucking Outkast could be a whole episode. Dude, for real. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just how they're, great they are. They're uh, one of those things that changed the game, too. You know what I mean? Like, for me. So, the, so but, right, but, of, the, of the 90s. Of the 90s. Cause we're, <laughs> <laughs> top five of the 90s for you. Um, Shit. Uh, nah, I think the top five, yeah, top five for the nineties would probably be the top, the same um, order as my favorite MCs. Really? Uh, yeah, I think so. And no, don't get me wrong. There's plenty others. You're gonna say would, you're gonna say Rakim is one of the best rappers of the nineties? No, 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 no. I'm not saying no, no. They weren't actually. Rakim's not like rooted in my in my fucking. Uh, oh, okay. My, yeah. So my my top five again is gonna be. Um, and, and for this, I gotta pull Pac and set him aside for a minute, because you know that's more of a that's more of like a uh, uh, that's a whole other thing. So <laughs> it's it's gonna be Nas, it's gonna be Common. Um, somewhere in there is Buster Rhymes. Uh, somewhere in there is Redman. Um, shit, who who else would be in there? Somewhere in there is Jizza. You know what I'm saying? Um, shit, uh, Saphir is definitely inside of Ross. See, I I'm a rap, I'm an MC dude, so I got this. It's hard for me to say a top five. I can give you a top three. When I'm I start just going say down that, uh, whenever whenever anybody mentions Jizza, the first thing that pops in my mind is where the Mason Dixon lines cross. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why, but it's like it, it immediately pops in my head. Dude, um, that Liquid Swords was my shit. But you know yeah, what was Swords not my shit? shit? What? You know what was not my shit? Which is funny. Uh, and, and let me let me go ahead and throw iron. Let me go ahead and throw uh, Ghostface in it too. What was not, and I put the Wu Tang aside because they gotta have their own bracket. But right, yeah. what was not my shit? Who was not the illest MC to me? And I don't care what nobody says. I think I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, Shepard. I knew you were gonna say it. Oh, come Rayquan on. Because my thing was, this dude is making up words. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> hey, but you're not gonna. But are you denying the power of the purple tape? No, I'm not. Because the purple tape was the purple tape was full of passion. So I'm, I'm not gonna denying. tell you. I'm gonna have to go on record and say that. Every phase that rap has gone through since mm-hmm. the '90s, the purple tape is the only thing that still remains. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. Like when 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 Ray dropped that purple tape, the amount of drug culture and jewelry mm-hmm. and like ice shit that nobody else was talking about at the time, people are still talking about that shit now. Yeah, I give you that. I give you that. I had to give you that. I remember, I just, like, Purple Tape is one of the moments where, like, I remember where I was when I listened, when I heard it. Like, I was like, oh, my, oh my God. See, for me, mm, what, okay, let me ask you guys, let me ask you guys that question. 
what album or what release song, I don't care, song, album, CD, whatever, stands out in your mind to this point as, as like a milestone in your youth as you're growing up, your history? And let's just say in our teen years. Let's just say in our teen years. Well, yeah, it would probably, for me, like uh, 36 Chambers would be one. Um, okay. Downward Spiral would be one. Um, uh, Life After Death would be one. Yeah. I was not a big fan. Dude, no, dude, dude, you hear hey, New York? Do you hear this? I'm three and a half hours. I'm three and a half hours south of you, but I will, I will have your back for this entire as long as the show runs. I will be here to, to lay claim to the greatness that is Big and Jay. I was not a big fan, not because he was bad. I just felt like they gave they they, they attributed too much to him too quick. Like, dude, you put out like one album. And next, you know, you're the king of New York, and you're the best rapper ever. It's a badass album. And I listened to the album, and I I I listened to it. As a matter of fact, a chick bought me that album, that that CD. Was it a CD or a tape? She got. I think it was. I was it was a uh, CD. Might have been. I don't know. I listened to that fucking shit. I got on the train. Everything on the train for me at the time. Everything was train and buses. That was my. That was my hip hop life, dude. That's where I go to write. And I listened to it going one way. And I was like, man, what the f- get this shit out of here. Dude. See, man, I, I think that a lot of people, and myself included at first, because, like, I think a lot of people were kind of brainwashed by, like, the Staten Island slash Queensbridge kind of thing that was going on at the moment, where, like, everything, like, had to be, like, the science and all this shit. And I think that when he came out, it kind of turned people off that were really into that initially. Um because like when I heard Juicy, I was like, meh. And then I heard Big Papa, and I was like, oh no, no sir. No, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but then when I heard like Machine Gun Funk and Give Me the Loot and The Warning and all that shit, like that's when like Who Shot You and all that, like that's when I was like, oh my god, who is this well, guy? Let me let me give a disclaimer. At that time, that was my that was my my youth and rebellion time. So I did not like anything that was mainstream enough to get on the radio. Right. You know what I'm saying? If, if it hit the radio, uh, would, would save a few, save a few. If it hit mainstream radio and it played on V103 during the daytime or some shit like that, I was like, nah. Because I was a hardcore underground. I was like an underground hip-hop head. You know what I'm saying? I, so I was the same way, but not until like... I, huh? I was the same way, but not until like 97 is kind of when that started for me. That was see, I, I, see, like, we didn't get hip-hop played on the radio here at, at all. So, like, uh, when Big came and that, like, all you heard was Dre, Snoop, Pac, and then Big. And uh, Big had, like, a, he. there's a je ne sais quoi about that dude, man. Like, Pac would do radio records and, like, toss it up or whatever or whatever. You know what I mean? Or, or, like, and, like, you understood why that shit was getting played. Like, it made the girls dance and all that kind of stuff. But then... Hypnotized would get played on the rec- on the radio, and I would be listening to the radio. My grandma driving, and I would be looking at my grandma and listening to the radio and thinking to myself, "This guy just said at my arraignment, note to the plaintiff: Your daughter's tied up in a Brooklyn basement. Face it, not guilty." And it's on the radio, and I'm in the car with my grandma, and nobody gives a shit. <laughs> like it's because that dude had a certain like charm about him you know like that was just people were just like ah it's big it's fine don't worry about it maybe maybe that was it maybe he charmed there i just i didn't i didn't think he was a bear i thought he was a hell of an mc i just i always felt well first let me also say another disclaimer 
I was totally biased against the whole fucking bad boy movie. Like, I didn't, all that bad boy shit, I was like, I didn't want to hear that shit. I, wouldn't, I didn't want to see nobody, except for, uh, I love my, I, I was down for Craig Mack. I got to give the credit. But I, I didn't want to hear all that bullshit and Puffy dancing in the background. Like, well, my cousin was, loved, well, I wasn't, I wasn't into that shit. That I was, was on some grimy. Me about huh? Biggie. The worst thing to me about Biggie is fucking Puffy. Yeah, yeah. well, because yeah. Puff, I think Puff, Puffy killed a lot of me as far as Biggie. Puff knew how to, to, to make hits. Yeah. You know, you like, can't take like, anything away from Puffy. You can't take yeah, anything yeah, yeah. I mean, like him. he, he yeah. came from uptown and all, like he just he knew his way around the the because the, Big is not like that. The, the artist that did Big Papa is not the same Big that you heard on mixtapes prior to yeah, that record. Yeah, right. And that and, was the Biggie that I liked. That was the Biggie that sure, I loved. Dude. But that Biggie was all over that record. It just wasn't on Big Papa. You know, because Puff knew, like, look, you gotta have, you gotta give me three songs. Yeah, you yeah. gotta give me three songs that I can put into rotation to get this record sold. Yeah, hey, I, there's no doubt about. That. Go ahead, no, go ahead. I was the same way. I wrote them off. I was like, man, I don't need to hear this. Like, who cares? Like at the time, my my my, my young teenage angst. I was like, who cares about money and women? Like a couple years later, I'm like, dude, all the money, all the women, as soon as possible. But like, but like, exactly. you know. But at the time, I was like, who cares about money and women? It's about the art. But all that art, all that wordplay, all that like, like, like pen game and double entendre shit, and like the stuff that I really love about rap music was there. It just, and it's yeah. even on those records. It's just those records are so commercial that it was hard for me to appreciate them at the time. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, like, like hypnotize is not a commercial. Like you take that beat and that hook off of hypnotize, it's not yeah. a commercial record. It's a gangster. See, for me, it stops there. Like it, it, at at the beat. It stops. You know what I'm saying? It stops. I'm like, and and I know, and he's got lyrics there. I've always said, yeah, he's got that's that's big. I mean, one of my one of my main things that I loved about Big was that he he composed these lyrics but wasn't writing them down. You know what I'm saying? Now, Jay-Z gave the same thing, said he did the same thing, but to me, Jay-Z wasn't the freshest when it came to that shit at that time. You know what I'm saying? But Big, I heard all his underground shit. So I'm like, this dude is doing this and not writing it. So I was all about that. But it stops at the beat because I was so trapped in my mindset of battle rapper, MC, hip hop. It's gotta be. I mean, I was I was fucking Timberland boots and motherfucking and camel camel pants, big coats, and fucking and in black crip rags and shit down low with my dreads flowing. And that was my stilo every day. You know what I'm saying? And so I just it had to be gutter. It had to be grimy. I didn't want to hear that shit. But there yeah, was there was but there was plenty of that on Ready to Die. Yeah, I just, I just wasn't, it just wasn't my thing. Like, like give, that, me, that give me, give, I'm not sure if it gets much more gutter than give me the loot. I mean, but I understand what he's saying. It's like at some point you, you just write, you wrote it off and then, and yeah. then it just wasn't not, not, like if it's yeah, over, like it for me, like the same way for me, it's like, I looked at stuff as like, not that it had to be greedy, but I just looked at it like, especially like, like I said, 99, 2000, like if it was overproduced, I just didn't want to hear it. Even if it was good, I'm like, man, I just don't want to hear this. See, I, I, I I'm with Mickey. I kind of needed it to be gritty too. Uh, like I, yeah, I was, uh, like I was a huge boot camp fan. Oh, I, I was just, I was just finna say, dog, Smith and Wesson. Yeah. Sound that was my shit. Yeah, like, like, like I loved that shit. Like I loved how fucking like just grimy that that fucking yeah. record felt. Um, yeah. Black Moon's first, Smith and Wesson's first, Helter Skelter's first. Uh, oh, Helter Skelter was my shit, dog. Yeah, like, and and you know, I mean, like, oh, well, I could go on and on about them, but yeah. And part of the Decepticons. Shout out to our Transformers connection. <laughs> um, but they, uh, 
I was of that. I was I was cut from that cloth. So it, it took me a while to get into big. But but once I got into them, then I, I realized it. And I, I, like to this day, I will say that Life After Death is probably the best rap album ever made. Like I've never heard a rap record sound as big as, as no pun intended as that record sounds. Like with like sound effects and fucking just how cinematic that album. Yeah, is. It, it is good. You know what I miss from that time frame of music? I miss, and uh, and we got to be fair, at least I have to be fair and say that I'm not actively out there chasing down music anymore like I used yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but um, I miss, like, you know, when you, when, you had, when you had an album, it was a full body of work, and there were interludes, intros, there was fucking, like, little uh, little skits and stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and the, yeah. And you, Go ahead, go ahead, I, was, I hate a skit, man. That to me is oh, the worst. What? Oh, dude, I can't stand it. I can't. Dude, stand I like. It. I, well, let me. See. I like a good skit. Like I like the, the Ready to Die when when Little Kim and Biggie were hitting it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, she's like, "You Kentucky Fried Chicken." Oh, yeah. like, like, you know, like that <laughs> yeah, shit was fucking awesome. Because for me, it just took yeah. me out of it. Like you know, I use music. For, you know, I kind of explained. I think what we were talking before, but like as like the background to my life. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like it just took me out of like whatever I was doing. Like I could be drawing and it, music would be on, or if like, you know, I'm a big graffiti guy. So if I was doing that stuff, you have music on, and that stuff just took me out of whatever headspace I was in. Just there are you this... one of those guys that play video games and then when the little movie, the cinematic scenes come on in between levels, you fast forward or you click past the shit. <laughs> no, I, yeah. like it, depends, guys. it depends on the game, but yeah, I don't, I don't need to see that shit. But know. like if. if... <laughs> <laughs> Helter Skelter did a skit that was, like, making fun of, like, the overabundance of, like, you know, like, do the math, do the science that was going on yeah, in New York yeah, yeah. rap, where they, they did yeah. this whole skit about how um, the Snickers bar was uh, a racial attack because um, they were like, if you, like, look at it, it's veiny, it's got, yeah. nuts, they're like, it's, it's got nuts in it, it's, it's the black man's dick, God, it's the black man's dick, and what do they call it, Snickers, because they laughing at you. <laughs> um, I don't know, you know shit like that. But like, I, it'll always, I'll always remember because, like, I remember like hearing it for the first time and like, you know, having a lull. Uh, Yo, know, favorite, favorite favorite skit for me was uh, one uh, on Styles P's album, um, where he uh, Styles, Styles P album with him, where they had just like they had robbed somebody or something like that, right? And they had a meeting on the roof talking about um, get, like like not spending the money or some shit. You know what I'm saying? And uh-huh. dude was like. <laughs> Y'all, y'all remember that skit, man? And he nah. was like, oh, I'm not going to try to no, skip it. Word. Funny as hell. They had a, another one that was, um, that, that you had like a, a, was it a butt pad or some shit like that? You know what I'm saying? It, 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 ah, that shit was funny. But I think, I think my funniest, my most memorable skit to me was um, Fat Joe's, one of Fat Joe's earlier albums. And he they, they were like, they spent the whole album trying to come up with a skit, trying to find a skit. And they finally had one, and somebody came in and totally fucked it up or whatever. Dude, I, I used to love... Because skits brought you closer to the artist, in my opinion. So I used to love skits, man. Because you get a chance to see them or hear from them on the album outside of just them rapping and talking shit. I used to love skits, dude. So what would you say were your three albums that, that had a, that biggest impact on you in the 90s? Mm, my first one, and this is, is going to be weird, uh, my 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 three major albums and and not all of them are rap because well I, I might be I might be off of my time but um uh Marilyn Manson's fucking um Antichrist Superstar 
You know what I'm saying? That was the nineties. That was that was one of my that was one of my favorite albums. Um let me see, that was one of my favorite albums. Uh of course, um of course Nas's fucking um Illmatic was one of my favorite albums. And let me get a third. God, what would be a third? I think I would give my third, and there's just a lot of shit that I like, but I would give my third to Onyx. I think it was um I might my I might be off on time frame, but I think it was um was it all we was it all we got is us? The, the Evil Streets album? We, yeah, all we got is us is the nineties. I, I remember buying that CD, dog. Oh my god! It's funny because that's one of my least favorite Onyx albums. Really? That's my favorite. Favorite like, I love, Onyx. I album. love Last Days, but mm-hmm. outside, like, like I love Back the Fuck Up. Like I can play that almost from beginning to end. Yeah, that's my shit too. Like Throw Your Guns and Shifty and like I mean even like the the, the more bizarre ones like uh, Black Vagina Fine and all that shit like that shit like that, yeah, that, yeah, there's yeah. A, you know like uh, uh, the you know the the one about the uh, the next the, I think, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, the video yeah, version was just called the next, next um, <laughs> yeah that song is so fucking funny to me like uh, that second one I loved Last Days and I loved the video for it but I remember when I yeah. got the whole record I was like Ugh. but I did like the Evil Streets remix with Method Man on it that never got a, like a proper release that shit, dude, I remember buying that shit. It was because the day that I bought it, I was there. I had just got off the fuck. I just got off from Five Point Station downtown, and I was walking around to my little, uh, my little uh, hole in the wall music spot that I went to. Like, you know, here you had to go to certain spots to get your music. Like, we had Turtles, we had Virgin, and all of that shit, but you had to go like the Earwax, Five Points Flea Market. And there was a couple little hole in the wall mom and pop type little tape spots. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and this was my first CD I bought. And I walked into the store and I went there to get something totally different. And the dude showed me the fucking shit. And he had, because they had it back then where you had the CDs in place. They had like this little fiberglass, like little window thing in front of the CDs, right? And they had it propped up to, to uh, display the CD. And I was like, is that new Onyx? And he was like, yeah, it's hard. And I was like, that shit's hard? He said, man, that shit's so hard, man. My, I fucking listened to it. My dick was hard for like three days. I was like... <laughs> See, like, it is hard. Like, cause it's, it's like, it's dark. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, it just, it, it didn't have, I don't know. It didn't have like a, enough melodic structure, I think, for me to like get into a lot of the music on it. But it, like, I remember like... Uh, when I heard that Evil Streets remix with Meth on it, where I forgot, I can't even remember at this point because Fredro and Sticky always went first or last, and usually yeah. Sticky went last. Yeah, but um, you're in there. Yeah, you always put him in the middle, always, hundred yeah. percent. Um, but like th- that beat was so fucking dark and like like uh, eerie, and then uh, and and he had that line that uh, on a dead night I get my head right, running red lights, no <laughs> headlights. I remember thinking, like, damn, like, this is scary shit, these guys, like, you know what I mean? Like, I it's just, like, these are evil fucking people. Dude, I remember buying a CD, walking out, and I put it in my CD player <laughs> and turn on the, the anti-skip button, you know yeah. <laughs> and toss it down, and toss it down in my little fatigue pocket on the side, and I'm, and, and I'm walking out the store, and the little bell rings, I mean, I remember that day, like, it was yesterday, the bell rings behind me as the door closed, and the fucking, um... The fucking the, the bars are on the on the doors and shit and shit. So the door clangs a lot harder. I walk outside and it's just like the sky is dark and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> like the fire's gonna fall out and the fucking shit comes on, dude. And all I, all I remember doing was pulling my fucking rag a little bit lower over my yeah, eyes. Yeah, that pulling that. I'll tell you, like <laughs> those records where you want to pull your hoodie down just a little bit lower. 
those yeah. are the best records. Yeah, and I remember just walking like back. Like, I, just, I dare somebody to fuck with me right now. Like, I was into some ill shit back then. <laughs> I was when I was into some illegal ill shit. So I was just walking like I nobody better not say nothing to me. And I was just into it. I I love that fucking album, dude. I love it. Like I day. um I never really got heavy into any sort of illegal activity. I dabbled and I partook a bit. Um, but I never, I was never really like a law breaking type of guy, but I fought all the time, like, <laughs> like all the time. And like, I didn't care. Like, I didn't care if I won. I didn't care if I lost. Sometimes like losing felt just as good as winning. Like it, it just, it was just getting that energy out that felt good. And like, yeah, I just fought, I fought all the time. I, I, I would just pick a, pick a guy. You know, like, 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 eh, I remember, like, I remember I didn't like something he said a couple weeks ago. I'm going to get him today. Like, I, it, <laughs> I'm going to get him today. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I just, I, I just, I mean, I got suspended left and right. I got kicked out of two schools back to back, like, actually three schools. You know, I just, I, I was a brawler. Like, I just, I liked to fight. And, um, and, and it was certain records, like, that, that, like, when they, when they got on, or if I listened to them in the morning, it was the chances of me getting into a, a scrap that day were probably a little higher. Right? <laughs> probably a little it higher. It was heightened. Yeah. Chance someone might feel the bobby fingers is a little bit higher than that. Yeah. Or, or a chance that, you know, somebody might ball me up. That was also an equal possibility, but I it just I didn't give a shit. I feel you. I feel you. See, that's funny. Like, I didn't. I got into a lot of fights too, but I wasn't. I didn't like to fight, but I was one of those. I just knew, and I was one of those people that's like. I'm just not going to take shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to let you jump me. Like, especially as a kid, like, I'm talking like 11 and 12, and you're walking down streets, and then all of a sudden, like, you lose a hat. And then I remember, you know, my dad's like, look, you know, for I'm not phrasing this right, but don't lose any more stuff, essentially. It was like a threat. Yeah. Like, you don't come home missing anything again. Yeah. And, I, uh, I mean, I was told at a young age, like, uh, you know, if, if somebody takes if somebody takes your, like, hat in that scenario – you better come home with their hat and shoes. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I wasn't, and I didn't go out like, oh, I'm ready to fight somebody, but I wasn't going to, like, if we were going to fight, like, if you were to walk up to me, Bobby, like, it's this guy. He said something I didn't like. Like, we were going to fight, and I wasn't going to say no, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, well, I, that was another thing with me, though, to be fair. Like, I wasn't a bully. Like, if, if I walked up and, like, had the strict intention of sending somebody to the moon, like, if they were like, no, no, like, back, back down or ran you know what I mean? So, like, I would never chase him. Like, I never fucked with anybody that that wasn't kind of up for it because that, that wasn't really the fun of it to me. Right. Like, I yeah, liked yeah. I liked the fight. I didn't I didn't want to feel like a bully. But yeah, I just learned like yeah, you don't like. I remember one time walking with my brother who's older, who's a, a totally different set of rules that he lives by than I live by. And I remember walking across the street and like somebody just you know gangs of dudes like especially where I lived it wasn't it was more like like cholo gangsters like those types of dudes, you know. Um, and somebody took his hat, and I'm like, bro, let's get your hat back. And he's like, no, and I'm like, fuck that, I'm going to get it back. And so I ran over there and had to fight, like, three dudes. I got the hat back. I got my ass whooped, but I got the hat back. You know what's funny is I, like, uh, where I grew up, like, jumping was never really a big deal. Like, it was never, like, it happened, but it was rare. Oh, dude, it was rampant. Because usually if somebody got jumped, like people would team up to f- to fuck those people up because like it, it was always about the fair one like you fucking you like your your people held back and our people held back and the only time it would ever they would ever intermingle is when a person had just had too much and it was time to step in before somebody got seriously hurt right you know but like a lot of times it would just be like 
it would be like this guy and his his buddies and this guy and his buddies and they fought and the two guys that had an issue fought and if if, if a jump situation happened and like that word got around like you became a marked person like you had to watch your back because you were now deemed as a coward you were getting jumped because you were getting jacked like it's the only reason you're, you're either it's either one of you or two of you and if it's one of you, you're always getting jumped by, like, three people. If there's two of you, it's always, like, five people. It's just because you were in the wrong. Like, you're getting jacked for something. Hat, shoes, and I'm like, fuck that. I'm not. And it was before, like, when every, you know, nobody would stab anybody or kill anybody. So if you could hold them off at least fighting, they would just be like, fuck it. It's not worth it. But, like, now, you know, I feel like if somebody getting jumped for their shoes, like, I'm just going to stab the guy. I'm just going to stick him to yeah, the shoes. But, you know, I also wonder if that's a part of being old. Like, if we're like, oh, it's dangerous out there now. <laughs> maybe, you know? I, maybe. I don't know. I just look at it like, and maybe because everything's so connected, you hear about it more. But, like, yeah, kids and stuff, you you know, you did get you did get stabbed and stuff like that. Oh, I didn't. But, you know, kids did. But for me, it was mostly just that's the kids in my neighborhood was just all about just – it was just fighting. You know what I mean? And it's like if you could hold the dude off – and you didn't even have to win. But if you could just – a lot of the times, like, I've met people that were became friends in high school because, like – they jumped me in, and I fought them off or fought, at least held my own. I'm like, man, dude, like, i got to give it up to you. Like, you're all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're all right because, like, you didn't fucking run. You didn't just let us take your shit. Like, and that's kind of like – it was just kind of how it went. Um, yeah, I, I have a, uh, a great story. Uh, I'm not going to tell it because it's long. I'll tell it all long one day. But this, this, this group of guys jumped a guy that I knew, and when that word got out, like, a huge group of people went to get this group of guys. And they got the shit out of them. And when it was all said and done, the original group that had jumped, this one guy was like, well, just let the two guys fight it one-on-one. And this one, like, huge dude who was, like, a known neighborhood threat was like, fuck you, fight me one-on-one. You guys, I'll be right back. I think someone's at my door. Hold on one second. But, um, yeah, it was a classic line. Like, people said it. Like, people said it around the hallways and shit for, like, months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But, like, uh, so... So you would say, what were, what were your three albums? Uh, Antichrist, Superstar, and what was what, what was it about that that had the impact? I saw I saw Manson perform that that I think it was his first performance. Um, was it the, was it the MTV Music Awards? I think it was the MTV Music Awards. It was that it was that one performance where he performed. Because um, I, I had been into him before that, but I had never seen him perform live. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So when I saw him, cause I, I had the I was I, I had the fucking uh, porch of American family and and the you know the lunchbox and all that shit. But when I saw him perform on like I had never even really other than like seeing like you know in the magazine or or the CD covers like that, I had never actually seen him. You know, so when I saw him perform on that fucking MTV Music Awards, dude, and what he did with the beautiful people, oh my god, that shit just because I I was. Like I, I'm a I'm a big like horror movie buff. I'm like dark right. shit. I like one of my favorite movies is The Crow. I'm into that that whole dark side of shit. You know what I'm saying? I right. like that shit. Fuck it, I like I do. So um, when when I saw him perform, man, and I and I and I heard that was the first time I had ever heard the beautiful people, and I heard the fucking the, the fucking fucking drums going and, and that yeah, riff going. Drums. Yeah, and he came out, and the crowd was like, oh, what the fuck? And he came out, dude, and he stood at that at that fucking podium and said whatever he said and kicked that shit down and went crazy with the fucking... I was like, this motherfucking dude just took it to the next level. How well, can he, I put that in my raps? Like, <laughs> not for nothing, like, that guy, and people can say whatever they want, but that guy brought a much-needed level of theatricality back to rock music. 
Yeah, I give like, you that. Not, not, yeah, I agree with that, too. Historian, but like, yeah, at, that. at that time, it had got so, like, overridden with, like, the FUBU sweatshirt-wearing bassists, like, movement. Yeah. Where it was, like, every every rock band wore, like, jeans and sneakers. They were all, like, corn and shit, basically, right? right? Yeah, because, yeah. like, what, what, uh, in my opinion, anyway, what happened was... Like Alice in Chains kind of was at the forefront of that movement, and then Kurt Cobain made it a huge thing. And then, not taking anything away from Kurt, but then like a million people that came after him, like mm. used his image as a way to just be normal and make music. Yeah, and and it, it got too fucking normal where it got lame. And Manson came back in and was like, "Nope, we're gonna make this a fucking opera again." And uh, like yeah. you know, with the costumes and the fucking everything, like I just feel like that's an important part of like hard rock music. I, f- I felt like uh, Kurt Cobain, because uh, he's an icon, you know, he was an icon. So I felt like they they took from him the and, and again, I'm not, I can't, I can't profess to be the rock fucking historian, but I feel like they they took his look and, and made that the idea. What would be, I guess, what would be the equivalent of a b boy. In hip hop, and you know how you gotta dress, how you gotta look to be that. Right. I, I feel like they took. I always felt like they took that look that he had. You know what I'm saying? And made that the rocker look. You know the 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 what, what was the term they was calling it at the, the time? Grunge. The uh, yeah, the grunge, yeah, the, the grunge, grunge look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and for and for the theatrics, for me, all I really had was like you know Trent Reznor. You know what I'm saying? That for yeah. me, that's what the theatrics was. Of course, you had like Kiss, but that's a way. That's an older school band right, right. there. You know what I'm saying? So and I can't remember. I think Slipknot came along after that. Yeah, after yeah they did. But I look at but, this too. I mean, yeah. if you're going to go down the rock vein, you have to look like too, like that stuff, like Nirvana and those guys were spawned from all like those 80s, like cock rocker dudes, you know what I mean? Right. All that glam rock and stuff. And they're like, you know what? Fuck that. We don't need all, we don't need those theatrics. We're going to strip it all down. It's just about the music. It, right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not knocking what they did. I'm just saying, uh, actually, to be fair, I'm not knocking the Kurt Cobains, the Alice in Chains. It, I'm, I'm knocking everyone that yeah, jacked I was their shit. Because I Alice in Chains right. fan, dude. I love Alice in Chains. Yeah, I'm, ja- <laughs> I'm, I'm knocking everyone that jacked yeah. their shit and, yeah, made yeah. It and, and made it a norm instead of something that stood out. It's kind of like now everybody was wearing flannels and they're back to wearing flannels again. <laughs> but you know, that's the whole that's the whole deal with like music no matter what the genre is. If it's if it's a thing that's popular at the time, everybody floods on it and they kinda kill it for the purists. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. Yeah. Man, when Manson I, I wanted to, I wanted to take what Manson was doing with 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 the rock and I wanted to bring that into my lyrics because my lyrics was always darker and and a little more um uh, expressive and descriptive, so I wanted to, to use that. So that's what that's what made um, that's what made Antichrist Superstar one of my favorite albums. Because I remember going to buy it, and I was like, I bought, I had the cover in my hand, and I was like, if I bring this in the house, my mom. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. <laughs> Buying that album, it did like uh, it was it was the and once again, it's that mystique thing. He had built that mystique yeah. up, but it. Buying that album with the way it looked, with that symbol on it and all, like the symbol, symbology or whatever they call it, like yeah. on the back and all that, like it, it did have this feeling like you were buying something evil, like you were buying. Like, am I selling right. my soul to the devil right yeah. now? Yeah, and, and like if you think about that now, like being an older person, that's some brilliant shit. In order, like yeah. to create something that actually seems like just the purchase of it is, is something's wrong. Like it's it's you know what I mean? It's, like that's that very the, fucking. Well, that's what makes the it's because it's the curiosity aspect. I think that gets a lot of people. You're like, dude, I just like, like especially that imagery. You're like, for me, it's like, oh man, I know that to be a terrible thing. But like, dude, how bad could it be? Like for like just going back to metal and, and especially in the early days, like you look at um, um, shit. Why can't I'm drawing a fucking blank now? 
But who were the guys that always had like that creepy, like zombie-looking dude? Uh, Iron Maiden. Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't think of it. But Iron Maiden to me, like that was always the funny thing to me as a kid, is because they had like when I was like eight, nine, and ten, like just some scary-ass album covers. And then when I finally was like, I'm gonna listen to some Iron Maiden, you're like, what the fuck, like. These dudes are kind of like they were awesome, but just the, it's not the vocals I right. thought I was gonna hear. <laughs> right, 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 right. But like I had that same experience just with buying Slayer albums and stuff as a as a kid, like, and then you just get over it real fast. Now, see, I never like, got I, I never got into this. Like I listened to Slayer a little bit back then. I was like, well, this is nah. Yeah, it has a lot of that. It, I think it has the Slayer. Like, and I have some Slayer stuff in my iPod yeah. too. But like, I think that that Slayer hits that. It hits that one level of can you handle this hard rock yeah. where like yeah. the the monster scream and shit right. like that of the vocalist where it's like it, can yeah. I digest this or not? And that's like kind of a, a listener thing. But that just to get back to that Annie that Antichrist Superstar record, like I remember putting it in, like I remember getting it home and putting it in oh. and like looking through the book while I was listening to it and like it did become like an experience, which I do miss yeah. for music. I don't feel like you get that much anymore. But like. Yeah just the way that bitch opened up with like the, the crowd chanting like the we hate love we love yeah, yeah. Like, oh. it was like it, it did feel like you were like you, you were being let into this world that was kind of created for that record it's, it's, it's yeah, it was the, 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 the irresponsible hate it was the irresponsible, the irresponsible hate, hate anthem, anthem. Yeah. yeah 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 dude yeah but that, that goes back to you're not only buying the artists sell themselves because you're not only buying the music you were buying into the artist absolutely yeah. you know absolutely. what I'm saying and like he a, was like a Tupac. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's just there's just those certain artists, and I think that's even with, like going back on a larger level to like Michael Jackson. There was these certain there there are these certain artists that come along in our time that have been have been before us and probably hopefully hopefully will come along after us that they're selling you not just their music but they're bringing you into them. And I think that's missing in at least from my perspective as an older as an older adult looking at music now, I think that's what's missing from like the rap stuff now, especially the mainstream stuff. But then I look at my kids, they, check this out. When I look at my kids, they are uh, fully sold on these guys. They love these guys. They, yeah, they, I they think that's just being old, guys. man. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, that's, that's just the songs of their youth, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, that's why, but, but I was going to say too, just about buying albums and stuff like that, or just like, you know, buying the music is that's the only way you could, that, that's the only insight you got into these people's like sometimes yep. they'd write something on the inside or like sometimes they'd put a note yep. and like that's the only information you got so yep. you're like dude it's... I gotta buy this so I can read this and that you kind of get it in bits and pieces where now it's like everybody's biography is first page it's know that I mean? accessibility man yeah. it's that accessibility like it's 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 a curse because the 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 more you feel like you can reach out and touch them the less important they are and I just think too musically like that's how you kind of got a sense of the person is what they were saying what kind of music they were putting out like that's to me, right. that's like a part of their soul, and when I can hear them talk every day, it's like I don't need to. I don't need to listen to the music now. I kind of figured out what the guy's all about. Well, I remember, like when, uh, you know, I remember when moving from tape to CD, and like the ability to skip through songs. And I remember having conversations with people then, like saying, like, look, this is going to change music because people are not going to digest an album anymore. They're going to kind of, you know maybe get through it once or take the first 30 seconds of everything they hear and then build the song lists in their mind of what songs they want to listen to from this record. Yeah. And, and to think about now how extreme that has gotten, you know, we're like, now you listen to 30 seconds preview on an, on a, on a computer through bullshit speakers of a record 
and then you mm-hmm. pick the two songs from it that you buy for two bucks, and that's all you do. Yeah, exactly. It's totally, it's totally changed, and 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 so now artists find themselves having to do all kinds of other crazy shit to make money, which artists have traditionally always made. Re- regular artists, not the superstars, but regular artists have always traditionally made their monies from like the shows and the shows, you know, yeah. in the franchise and shit. Because your deal, you wasn't getting any money for deal, you wasn't right. getting money for album right. sales, right. Right. except right. for your, your advances and shit. But um, it's it's totally obliterated that now. And then to have the industry, have the the labels turn around and combat what the artists were doing by putting them in those three sixty deals, whereas now the the the, the uh, labels get money it's a from piece everything. Of everything. The yeah, but then it but then it goes back to being the internet also being a good thing because now you have artists who can do can run a fucking uh, uh, um, independent campaign solely on fucking through Facebook and fucking YouTube. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And iTunes. And, and, and true enough, you got like Tech Nine and a few other people who were doing this shit back then before Facebook and all that shit, independent, independent for for de- over decades. But now it's like any fucking artist, and that and but it's Tech Nine the has had so much success that just yes. nobody is aware of. Yes, I mean this dude is doing well. <laughs> yeah. Doing <Yeah>. well. <laughs> so so okay, so we've we already touched touched on Illmatic. It was that poetry element, that written word element that that kind of defined that and so what, what was the third album that you would pick from the 90s shit um what did i say i said illmatic i said uh i said the um antichrist superstar, superstar and, illmatic be my third dude um damn that's hard no i think i think i said the uh, all we got the, uh, all we got is the onyx the onyx joint oh yeah that's, oh, that's right. right oh yeah and you talked about the mood so it was yeah. like about mood performance and in technical skill so that's interesting yeah. well see and those, those and for overall, because I really can't honestly wholeheartedly say those are my my, my favorite all time forever. No, 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 I, no, 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 no. But that ain't the question, though. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that um, yeah, I think I think I'll go with those. But there was so many more. What about the, you guys? Um, well, I, I I did mine, right? Didn't I? Yeah, thirty six chambers, uh, downward spiral, and life after death. Um, I'll just say real quick for all those three, so I can get we can get gisks and maybe wrap up today's right, show. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um. Real quick, it was uh, listening to the downward spiral. I remember it clearly in my mind. I had a uh, a pint of E and J and a pizza and that album, and I was listening to it from front to back. And I got about halfway through it, and the that album had the lyrics written in the book. So I was like going through it as I went, and I remember a certain point where it, it just hit me, where I was uh, like, "Huh? What's up?" Oh, I thought he was talking to me. Oh no no. Oh, I got I got about halfway through that album and it just hit me. I was like, "Holy shit, this is the story of one person." And like <laughs> like I remember that moment. You know what I mean? Like and it was like a mind-blowing moment for like cuz it was the first time I'd ever even kind of come to terms with the idea of like a concept album. And like it fucked me up so bad that like I probably listened to it front to back 3 times that night. And like it so it just it opened my idea, my mind up to what music can be. Um, 36 Chambers is what it's it's what made me say like I love everything about this culture like this rap yeah. hip hop culture like it, it it was the like there's so much about that album we could probably have a 36 Chambers yeah, discussion could. but like the, you know once again that mystique um, the fact that you couldn't tell who was who you couldn't put the name with the face it was like a radio drama like there was a certain mystery to it there was there was just a, 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 a weird edge and vibe that it had without being excessively violent. Yeah. Um, 
and then uh, the other one being Life After Death, just because I think that I think that it is probably the best rap album ever made, and I think that it is the largest sounding rap album I've ever heard. Um, and that would be my three. And what about yours, Jisk? And that'll get that'll get Mickey through the '90s, <laughs> and then we'll come we'll come. I think we'll at this point we should just uh, admit that it's going to take longer than we thought to get through this shit. So we'll just do yeah. all three of us from the from the from the beginning through the '90s, right, and okay. then do all three of us from the 2000s on. So that's where, like, for me, it's it's harder for me to do this because, like, I have albums that are that were definitive for me. But like I can't go back and listen to them, so like I can't I can I can't just name three of all time because it's like it depends on the era. Like each each era of my life has a set music to it that I can't go back and listen to. But as far as just three of your eras, what's I was saying. So as far as as far as definitively like shaping my young hip hop, um, the Chronic is definitely one that like just really kind of like not was a door opener, but really just at a time when. It was just pivotal for me at a time when I was 13, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also th- 36 Chambers was also one of the... Not even 36 Chambers, but... Well, no, I guess it is 36 Chambers. Shoot. That's their first album, right? Yeah. My yeah. Timing. All right. Well, I'm, I'm terrible, just so you guys know, too. I'm terrible at remembering names of shit. Yes. Like, yeah. artists and stuff like that. But if you're like, oh, the song, like, I'd be like, I'd have to look at it and be like, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. I'm kind of there, too, sometimes. Um, you know? So 36 Chambers, um, The Chronic... Shoot, it's for hip hop wise. But it doesn't have to be hip hop. It can be I, I, oh, I did downward spiral and antichrist. Yeah, I'd be a motherfucking antichrist superstar. Honestly, uh, from from nine to eleven, Metallica really shaped those years of my life. Ah, uh, Metallica fan. Huh? Now, what albums were those? Oh, like the for me specifically, it's like uh, Master of Puppets is, is awesome. Okay. All right, all right. Um, all right. Even like Kill 'Em All. Like to me, I remember yeah, one yeah, time yeah, yeah, yeah. turning on the radio and hearing. I think that's how I found Metallica. I think I was nine. It's just turning on the radio as a kid, and they were playing live the Kill 'Em All album, but it was live from some show. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck is this? And it was awesome. I remember hearing uh, Master of Puppets for the first time. Like, and I, I like I, I was listening to it in the car with my dad on some rock station. And I remember that line: like, "Chop your breakfast on the mirror." <laughs> and, I, and I remember thinking, like, "Oh my God, he's gonna hate this." Like, I just remember that, like, that, like weird. I've been listening to some of that shit. And I was like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" <laughs> Dude, that, that 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 fucking Master of Puppets. That thing. That thing still goes hard. Dude, that yeah. honestly, like those first four albums. For Metallica, but more so like Kill 'Em All, Master of Puppets, and then um, and Justice for and Justice for All. Ride the Lightning's Lightning's pretty good, but it's not like of the three. I I like Justice for All. And Justice for All, Master of Puppets, and Kill 'Em All to me are some of the dopest music just for me ever written. My thing about Ride the Lightning, which always gets to the past, is that for uh for whom the bell tolls. Right. Yeah. That that shit is so fucking hard (laughs) that it, it like it just that whole album gets a pass. Hey, do you guys remember so during that time, like for whom the bell tolls? When that when that song when that song was getting played, like it, 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 like the video was was in rotation a lot. Well, that what, video what, came out way later. Than yeah, the song. yeah, it did. Well, the, okay, well, so during well, here's here's my thing. During a time when that video was like in heavy rotation, it seemed like something came across where it became cool to dislike Metallica, and if you okay. like Metallica, I'll, I'll, bring it, I'll break it down for you why. So when they released the black, I album, never got that, huh? When they released the Black Album, that was that was their linchpin to falling off. Right. Because while the Black Album like does like like I like the Black Album. A Black Album is a lot of people's like introduction into Metallica. Absolutely, yeah. but that's that's the I gift like the purse of it. 
The Black okay. Album is very produced. The Black yes. Album is very catchy. It's very radio friendly. And while I like a lot of songs off the Black Album, actually, uh, Wherever I May Roam is one of my favorite Metallica songs. Yeah. But, yeah. but that being said, it seemed like a sellout move to Metallica fans. Now, after the Black Album, like which introduced a whole bunch of people, like just said, to Metallica, but it was a whole bunch of people that Metallica fans didn't necessarily want introduced to yeah, first. No, not at all. Not so at after all. the Black Album came this like box set they put out called Live Shit Binge and Purge, which was like a box, like a collect a collector's box of like live performances. It had the Garage Days album in it. That was later. That was oh, later. Okay, okay. But this this box album had like live performances and some B sides and stuff like that, and their video for it was a live performance of For Whom the Bell Tolls. And the, the, I, I think, and I don't know why, I don't know if this is based on anything, but like I feel like they just didn't know how to tap into that commercial success to just rake in a little bit more money. So they were like, what the fuck do we do? They're like, uh, put out the live shit. Right. So, so like they, they, they made this like box, and it was like, a, it was like a box. It was like a little treasure chest. And you bought the treasure chest, and inside it was all these discs and extra shit and whatever. And that is to promote that box set they used for whom the bell tolls, which is why that that song and video came out so long after that album was released that initially had it. It was to promote that live shit. I see that. Like Uh. for me, so so Metallica, like Kill 'Em All to me is one of just like if you want to hear just a raw ass fucking metal album. Yeah. That album, like it's still to me, I find myself listening to that shit more than ever because it's just like dude it's just these dudes just fucking thrashing away so uh, so listening to that that's kind of which which just got me into music like after hearing this metallica thing i think i think at like 11 i just remember asking my parents i'm like look can i please have a guitar for christmas you know i'm like that's all i want my little brother was nine and he's like yeah me too and then that was it (laughs) and then like like we they gave us guitars and then that's what we did like metallica taught me how to play guitar never had one lesson Nice. And just from listening to Metallica over and over and over again is what taught me like how to play guitar. And um, so, um, so, and I got into hip hop just and stuff just through school and, and honestly just through graffiti is kind of how I how I got into hip hop. But Metallica really just, yeah, that's what I always tell people like, oh, how'd you learn to play guitar? I'm like, Metallica taught me. And just listen to that shit and just figuring it out and note by note and you're just trying to hear it and pluck it and you just. And um, I remember yeah. seeing kids write Metallica on their shoes. That's how I knew it was getting big. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, like that was like a big thing. Like people would write, like you know how Metallica is written, where it's like kind of in an arch, yeah. and like it has those like those little f- headers and footers at the tops of the points yeah, of all their yeah. letters. Yeah. Like, um, I remember seeing writing, seeing kids write it like on their shoes, and I was like, oh my god, this is getting big. Like this is right around the time that the Black Album came out. That's what let me know actually that the Black Album was something. Um, like it was changing, you know what I mean? It was changing the way that people heard this music. And it was, and it was not that it was softer, but it was softer. And I guess the best way to, to put it is that it was, it was produced that it wasn't so biting. It yeah, still and, had that Metallica sound to it, but it wasn't yes. like just that. And it was skinny softer, raw to softer, it. And it was, it was more structured. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it, it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, verse, hook, verse, hook. Bridge, hook, verse, hook, outro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, their things and, are always fours, too. Everything's in four. You're going to do this riff four times, and then you switch it, you do that one four times, and you switch it, you do that one four times. And, and like, 
almost every song on that album is like laid out that way. But like, if you listen to like, you know, Justice for All, like one, like it's like a nine minute song. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. they, they, they're like, they're like, we don't give a fuck about a rule. Well, they, and they were doing that even before that, but yeah, exactly. Right, right, absolutely. Like, yeah, we're absolutely. Just gonna play these songs. Yeah, one is nine minutes. Like Injustice well, for All is fucking. Seven they were doing minutes. instrumental songs, yeah. like you know, like nobody was doing shit like that at the time. Like they were just like, let's let's just fucking jam out for a bit. You know, what but like, you guys, what you guys think of uh, Nine Inch Nails' Ghost? Uh, it was it, it. I was really excited for it, and after I heard it, I was like, no wonder there's no vocals on any of these beats. <laughs> I, I think they're I interesting, it, I, but I don't uh-huh. think that any of them are quite great. Like when I, when I bought when I bought the album, uh-huh. I uh, and I'll just be honest. At the time, I did not know it was going to be that album, <laughs> so I bought it. I'm like, "Ooh, hot new nine inch nails." I got this shit. And I listened to it, and I went for it. Next song, and I was like, "God damn, where's the where's the rest of?" <laughs> yeah, like it was like it's four discs, I think. Oh, just ambiance. And like <laughs> in all those four discs, I think there's like two songs I can listen to. Yeah. The rest, but I can't. Like, I came to like it for what it was, though. I just, yeah, I, I, I respected it, but I was very excited because I, I love I, I, Trent Reznor is probably my favorite producer of all time. Yeah, like uh, I, I just I, whatever he he his sensibilities and mine are just pretty close in terms of the vibe of a record and how it should feel. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that is like a two-hour show. Yeah, yeah, we're at two hours. Two or three. And we're almost finished Brave. (laughs) Um, We don't have any outros or anything like that set up yet, and we don't have anything really set up yet, so uh, see you next time. Yeah, take it easy. There you go. Hey, thanks for listening.